Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. Yeah, hold on. Do you know how to whistle? <laughs> I couldn't hear a thing. The Zoom audio gate is too low. So I saw you go like this. <laughs> and I was like, I bet it sounds great, but I can't hear it. <laughs> it's Trying to get high. it under, under the gate. Nah, nah, the, it's not coming through. God forbid I also you don't ever like, tune. do a Zoom call with like a child or something with um uh fucking what's his name yeah from um from the muppets 2011 <laughs> what's his name any any number of muppets no what's the main one walter because uh, right. it's you know special ability which isn't really uh, signposted is whistling yeah, yeah exactly I if was you're trying to do a zoom with walter and he'd be like let me show me show me your talent walter and he would just, uh, you wouldn't be able to hear it. Anyway, yeah. what are we here to, what is this, AJ? What are we doing here? What is this, Richard? This is Film Franchise of Fortnite on the Cold Popshire podcast, where once a fortnight, we look at a different film franchise and have done so, Richard, for nigh on seven years, six, seven, eight years. Coming up to seven. Coming up to seven years. Yeah, so we've covered everything from uh, Godfather to Godzilla to God's Not Dead, mm-hmm. not necessarily in that order. Uh, and we, we, what we do is we randomly or are given what franchise will do by patrons, um, or, we ran, or we randomly draw it, uh, and then we'll watch however many are in that franchise and come back here and talk to you about it. Um, you being the listener, the third yeah. part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, we and we do require your consent to move forward, so I'll allow you to give that now. And if not, thank you. Turn us off, please. The onus is actually on you in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting thing you talk about. You know, we've been doing this podcast for coming up seven years. The podcast has actually been going longer than that, and at the current with the release of this episode the first and last episodes of the cult popshire podcast both feature katniss everdeen on the uh on the thumbnail ah yes because for true fans <laughs> of the cult popshire podcast will know that we did a little test pilot about six or seven months before the actual episode the actual proper podcast started up uh where uh the the last hunger games movie is the most disappointing films of 2015 and the last hunger games movie was a big part of that but do you know who wasn't a big part of that episode 
Richard. Uh, he was not on it. So nah, was, the the podcast yeah. is is older than his tenure on it uh, by by an. A Although of I believe I have been on more episodes of the podcast than you. Really? Yes. That's strange. Wow. How would that have happened? Yeah, I just feel like I've recorded more without you. Right, but I, I've then, like not not in a like. I mean, I don't remember any that I wasn't on, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I wasn't on your bad ideas for Star Wars spinoffs with Rowan. I wasn't on your TV shows that should get film adaptations with Josh Monson. You guys mm-hmm. also did an Infinity War chat. Yeah, we, there's also uh, you went on most disappointing films of 2016 or 15. 2016 wasn't it? So you oh, were no. mad at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think you're done on that. No, no, yeah. it's it's online. You can listen to it as we speak. You can, know, at the same it's... time as we speak right now. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's about even then. Because I remember we did a few without you. Oh, they actually yeah. no, I suppose yeah. I'm trying to think back. Well, we, we there was a brief period in the podcast history where we thought um we could like kind of manage these two pockets uh, either side of film franchise Fortnite's episodes where we don't necessarily have to be on an episode uh, before I think quickly getting feedback that people weren't very interested in listening if it wasn't the two of us. Well, because yeah, that just... feedback I believe came from you. Well, it wasn't from me. It was someone told <laughs> me it. Well, I remember you just being like, I, after I did one that didn't have you on it, you're like, actually, no, I think we'll go back to me being on all of them. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's 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 I think where we where where we shine the most, and we we're about to discuss a franchise that when we started the podcast was probably if you'd held a gun to my head said quick name five franchises it would have been in the five i would have named it was very prevalent and if you've just randomly clicked play and have i you already said katniss everdeen before um but yeah like i feel like the hunger games right around it had just finished by the time we started the podcast and that was one of the big ones and i i can't my point is i can't believe how long it's taken us to get to the hunger games it feels like a cornerstone of the modern franchise (laughs) discussion the discourse yeah Uh, we're just we're just ticking them off as we uh you know continue towards the end of this podcast which is yeah might be closer than you think you don't know (laughs) who knows uh you know it can't go forever we're running out of franchises as evidenced Mm. by the fact we're finally getting to the hunger games so obviously as we all know that would suggest we're not running out of franchises wouldn't it if we're only just now getting to the hunger Games. well you know uh, yeah we've always kind of said well you know the podcast can go forever look we haven't even got to the hunger games yet ah oh, right now you we know? can't say yes, that yes we can't say that, <laughs> that famous thing we always <laughs> used to say <laughs> so you the hunger games as we all know is based on a series of books written by suzanne collins uh, that was the Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Mocking Jay. The books are just—that's just the title for branding purposes. With the films, we're talking about the Hunger Games, which came out in 2012. The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, which came out the following year, and then they did that classic young adult thing of splitting the last book into two movies. So you have the Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part One, and the Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part Two, which came out in 2014 and 2015 respectively now they, yeah no was, yeah that was the yeah, one to kill yeah. the train <laughs> wasn't it i mean it's not like mocking j part two 
did kind of underperform mm-hmm. but looking at it it's not as much of a drop-off in terms of box office or critical reception as i thought it was right but i remember i remember mike and jay part two bombing and it being like yeah. people don't like part twos anymore and so i think it was around that time when was the divergent series because that's what I was because th- Divergent we covered years ago. Yeah. We covered Divergent closer to ten years ago than we did to five years ago. <laughs> like that, that, that just to put it in perspective, because you know, complimentary wise, maybe that's when we should have done the Hunger Games as, as next to the the sort of little sister series airing alongside it, which uh did a part one split and then they never made a part two, which I think is one of the funniest things to see happen in any kind of cinematic trend the divergent series which was the divergent insurgent and then the third book is called allegiant that was the name of the last film yeah and then they were going to they they were give they gave the fourth one that that, that, that never got made a different title was going to be called ascendant and So that one was like, oh, we are splitting it into two, but it's not. Because I think that audiences react differently to watching a film that is part one or part two. And so if, it, what, what is it called? Fast X was originally yeah. Fast and Furious 10 part one and part two. But now it looks like it's just going to be Fast X. And, you know, the great thing about the Fast and Furious films is we have no fucking clue what the 11th <laughs> one is going to be called. I hope it's Fast X 2 or something like that. And, mm. but yeah, there was for a while in the last, you know 18 months it seemed like there was a resurgence of the part one part two because like mission apostle did reckoning part one which seems to have stuck to the part one part two which is kind of annoying because they always had like cool titles yeah and and also already very long titles with yeah has a colon or already yeah. part of the title yeah and then uh, in spider-man across the spider-verse was announced as across part one and part two and now it's across and beyond the spider-verse which is and so much better i'm so glad that yeah it. but like infinity war was originally them. a two-parter and then they renamed it to endgame and then they said no no we were always doing that but yeah it, mockingjay part one and two was the last sort of film series to actually well, on, a, on a large scale anyway to do a part one and part two film Hey, Resurgent would be a good name for if they did a, a fourth a Divergent yeah. movie now. There is a fourth Divergent book. Do you want to take a no. guess at what it's called? What's it called? Resurgent? Take a guess, no. Is it called just a completely different thing? What's What's <laughs> the dumbest, laziest thing you could call a fourth uh, Divergent book? I don't know. Divergent 2? That lazier than that. Uh, it's the, the fourth one. You're going to need to just tell me. I'm clearly not it's on the guest wave. It's called Four. Four? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Like, like, we are the series iconic enough that you can just name the fourth one Four. That's us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, should we dive right into... The Hunger Games, the first film which mm. came out in 2014, directed by Gary Ross. Do you, are you familiar with the works of uh, Gary Ross? No, I'm not. I know he's the last two names in Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't count the second Glenn as a second name. <laughs> 
so he was a writer. He wrote things like uh, Big Lassie, oh, nice. Dave, and nice. he uh, directed uh, Pleasantville Seabiscuit. And then uh, we, uh, one we've covered on the podcast before, he directed Ocean's 8. After, obviously, he directed Ocean's 8. Interesting. Okay. I'm seeing some of the DNA, directorial <laughs> DNA there. Mm, well, he, so he only directed the first Hunger Games. So if you're thinking like, ah, no, no. Finnico Deer. No, no, he comes in in the second one and he's no, also no. not in Ocean's 8. But he... <laughs> <laughs> the Hunger Games stars Jennifer Lawrence as the... Is Katniss Everdeen the hero? The archer Katniss Everdeen also stars Josh Hutcherson as Peter Malark, Elizabeth Banks as Effie Trinket, Woody Harrelson as Hamish Abernathy, and Liam Hemsworth as Gail Hawthorne, a character who I'm sure we will get to. Um, but you've also got Stanley Tucci, Donald Sutherland. Great cast in this film. Uh, surprise Jack Quaid pops up at one point. Mm-hmm. But AJ, what is the film about? And presumably well, Richard- the book as well. Of course. Let me paint a picture for you. It is, according to the Amazon Prime uh, biography that comes up when you uh, look up the film, it's set in a dystopian future North America, something that I mm-hmm. didn't necessarily pick Jonathan, up on, yeah. um, where there was a totalitarian society and the uh, working class tried to start a revolution, tried to rise up against the capital tried to storm the capital if you will uh and but this time the capital one (laughs) they failed and in in as a uh punishment for their subordination for the past 70 something years uh, exactly it's quite a large part of the film (laughs) yeah yeah For, for that long uh the once a year they've been holding something called the hunger games where two members from each district, there are, I believe, 13 well, districts. Uh, if we're going to stick to what we know on the first film, there are 12 yeah. districts. The 13th one was destroyed. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so the there are 12 districts, let's say, or someone from each of the 12 <laughs> actually, districts. Actually, AJ, there is actually a secret 13th <laughs> one, but, but there's someone no from- point bringing that up now. A a man is it a man and a woman from each district? I would say a boy and a girl. They have to be under eighteen. They have to be under eighteen. God, yeah, this so is it's fucked up. It's you're giving <laughs> up your children as a sacrifice, right. as a reminder. There is. Let me see if I can uh, find the actual like wording, because the each yeah they have um uh like re- reasons for like other special things. They're like ah, oh, it's to remind you of this specifically. But I'll get to that when we get to the second right. Point. Right. Well, the yeah. So a boy and a girl, which is pretty uh, regressive for a future far off society. I guess the I guess the NBs are safe. Like you'd just be like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not up for nomination then. Yeah, um, so so uh, District Thirteen was destroyed uh, during the past rebellion against the capital, and right. Yeah. So yeah. So a boy and a girl from each, and to remind the districts that the capital has. Complete power over them. Yeah, um, they are they are chucked into a battle royale where only one district may come out on top. They have to kill each other. Well, they are they're thrown into to every every year. It's a different like sort of like arena. That's what it's like a real place, but it's got 
It's not like a digital thing. It's not like a virtual reality thing. Uh, yeah, but that yeah, sounds but like, like it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they control the environment so like they can control forest fires and shit. And so yeah, it's it's important that yeah, like this this is entertainment for the capital. So you have like mm. game makers who like you say, it's not digital, but it can be easily manipulated. Like mm. they'll be like, Oh, this person's getting a little too comfortable. Let's set that part of it on fire and that's just yeah. possible which really takes away from the like they kill each other thing i thought yeah i well, at the same because yeah I, I i had the same sort of thought watching it and that it's like this thing where you go oh you know they shouldn't be interfering but then it's like they're under no obligation to not interfere they're doing this for their own <laughs> entertainment you know they shouldn't be interfering but they also shouldn't be casting kids against each other <laughs> yeah. in a fight to the death yeah uh so the main character katniss everdeen um she winds up in the 74th hunger games because her younger sister primrose everdeen is uh randomly reaped. selected reaped very nice and so she volunteers um she volunteers as tribute uh and <laughs> that was that the most iconic line of dialogue of 2015 do you reckon i feel like uh, i heard that no, probably not of 2015 i would say more like 2012 but yeah 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 i agree actually i agree with what you said <laughs> we're actually both right in this situation because i agree with what you said actually <laughs> So yeah, she gets thrown in, and so does Peter Malark. Who there's no, there's no poetry. He's just read out. <laughs> um, and they have to prepare. They they go on talk shows because the the capital, as you say, it's for their entertainment. So they sort of turn it into this like game show. Uh, and so they participate in the Hunger Games. A bunch of people get killed. Um, and it ends with yeah, right off Katniss. the bat. So there's 24 people in the arena. Right off the bat, boom, half of them just die because there's like, I don't know, when everyone, they put a pile of weapons in the middle, mm. everyone can go and then so a bunch of people fucking die immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, by the end of it, uh, there's, you know, there's significant characters, some who you like, some who you don't, who mm-hmm. die. Uh, and by the end, it's just Peter and Katniss left alive. And then it's announced over loudspeaker that they've changed their mind and that there can only be one winner this time. Which, well, so, Richard, I so, spent the entire rewatch thinking that was the case anyway. Okay, and, AJ, so you, you, you have missed something here. I tried to correct you before, but you just steamrolled over it. So it's not that one district can win. One person can win the Hunger Games. Um, so going into the Hunger Games, you could be best friends with the person from your district. You could be, it could be your wife. Well, you'd have to have, your parents would have had to allow you to marry at such a young age. But the, <laughs> yeah, okay. The, <laughs> the, the thing about the, and you probably would have had, it would probably have to be a volunteer situation. Cause what are the chances that I'm <laughs> yeah. wife? So the, the, but the thing about the, um, so, you know, there's always this inherent tragedy that you are going to have to kill the person. There is quite a significant moment in the film where because the people watching the ca- uh the people around the capital and all the districts watching it peter and katniss have created this love story to try and because as hamish who has won the hunger games before again we'll get to that later on that we um you know he says this is not so much about just surviving it's about the image you present so they create this love story and stuff and people are like so rooting for this love story between Peter and Katniss that uh, the game maker makes the announcement over the loudspeaker, which is, you know, quite a significant part of the film and says, 
if both if if there are two people remaining who are from the same district they can win in a hunger games first this has never been the rule before but we're going to say that now it gets down to just the two of them and then they make another announcement saying we're reversing that new rule it's back to the original rule i think you could cut that whole thing out of the entire script probably i mean there's no reason to introduce it and then reverse it just have it be the whole time that heading towards also that like peter and cat because peter's uh quite happy to like let katniss win he's always been in love with her and so if that rule wasn't in place he might have been more likely to sacrifice himself for her or like or anything like that they and i think because you know the game makers are um what is his name seneca crane is and president snow donald sutherland's character are just toying with them the whole time Mm. that they want it to get to the point where it's just the two of them because if they have that rule in place they're gonna be like well fuck okay we are now we'll protect each other as much as we can and then you get to be like haha now you have to kill each other i think okay i think my problem with the script lies in any kind like you i think whatever the situation is introducing a rule and then taking it back so that it's what it always was feels kind of weak i think it either shouldn't have been i just don't think you should have done it twice i think there's there was a way to do it yeah in which it only needs to happen once well, i mean the way the you watched the thing. movie it only happened once so yeah exactly the way i watched it with one <laughs> and i thought was. it was flawless <laughs> <laughs> so i mean have you read the books because coming in hot you have done the research but mm-hmm. you do seem like measurably more into this than i was (laughs) like are you a hunger games fan what's the situation Uh, well just to to finish off because it's very important to me that we get the stories of these across for no reason (laughs) yeah because you love them uh that it it gets to a point there's uh, nightlock berries which are these poisonous berries and peter and katniss are there together she says trust me and they go well if there can only be one victor well let's let's both eat the berries together and then we'll both be dead and you get no victor so as they're about to do it the game maker comes over the loudspeaker again and says no no we're reversing the rule back like you guys congratulations you both win because it's better to have two winners than no winners because then that exposes a flaw in the hunger games Mm -hmm. and then that's where we end movie one am i a fan of the hunger games not really <laughs> so it is just the research that you did no, today so i this this is a lot more of this is catching fire conversation but i'll tell you my, my history with the hunger games a little bit i remember when i was stu- uh, i was studying tertiary education and there was this big like everyone in our class had organized this uh, big thing to go see the hunger games and i wasn't invited so they but then i think they went well then they all went someone together. couldn't go so you volunteered as tribute <laughs> like they there was some weird thing and i wasn't invited and i was, had my feelings so and then i was going to go with the person who organized it separately anyway and then we went there and it was sold out so i like hadn't seen the hunger games at all and then when the second one was coming out i had this point i watched the first one at some point and I remember having this moment that, you know, everyone at broadcasting school, the same year that you and I met, AJ, everyone was talking about like, oh my God, you know, the new Hunger Games, it was the biggest film of 2013. And 
everyone was excited about. And I had this moment where I realized I have no idea what Catching Fire is about. I realized I hadn't seen any trailers, like I hadn't overheard any discussions about it whatsoever. And so I was like, oh, fuck, I actually have this unique opportunity to go see this film. And I think I might have even gone to a midnight screening and know absolutely nothing about it. And I remember being pissed off because I remember there was one person in my class and I was talking about how I didn't know anything about it. And then they, they somehow mentioned like, oh, when it actually gets to the Hunger Games. And I was like, I just said I didn't know anything about it. They're like, yeah, but it's like, it's obviously going to have a Hunger Games in it because it's the sequel to the Hunger Games. I'm like, yeah, but how can it though? Because they've already had one and she's not like, they can't be. Oh, let me explain to you then. (laughs) And then then he was like, oh, well, it's because I'm like, are you not fucking listening? I I think I was just walking away. And then I remember seeing, I think I remember seeing on TV that was like, oh, premieres of the Hunger Games. And I saw uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was on the red carpet and I was like, he's in this, fuck you. <laughs> and being very excited that he was nice. in it. But yeah, I yeah, I think The Hunger Games is an interesting one. I, I will say that like across all of the the young adult dystopian things, which there are so many of, even the non-dystopian ones like uh, Twilight where you have... It's not dystopian, but there is a world that has different rules to our own. You know, you talk mm. about, like, the Volturi and shit I guess, like that. I guess that is the defining characteristic of young adult fiction, isn't it? Mm. Like, world building. Like, baby's first world building. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I think, to me, The Hunger Games is the most interesting. Mm. At least in the first two films. I will, like... Yeah. I, I The thing I love about The Hunger Games and Catching Fire is that you know spoilers if you're trying to avoid knowing anything about catching fire spoiler alert there is a Weird hunger podcast games to, to yeah to. <laughs> or if you're gonna be like oh, i'll just listen up till they talk about the second film and then i'll go go watch it but that both films the hunger games doesn't occur until over an hour into the film and like mm. i f- i feel like in a lot in, in worse films like, you know, if they fucking, if they didn't run the maze until an hour into it, I would probably be like, all right, come <laughs> on, let's run the fucking maze. If they didn't the trials. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, the, 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 for some reason, yeah, just this whole thing. And it's that, the fact that it's like playing on, um, reality TV and like all these really interesting oh. things. Like to me, that's the most interesting thing in the world. This like kind of Truman Show-esque thing. Yeah. And it's kind of the only one that I'm intrigued to know more about. Like, we we find out in the second film about these quarter quells. And, you know, I think if this happened in... Uh, what's a, what's a, another one that isn't the Maze Runner or <laughs> Allegiant? Uh, There's not... I mean, those are the, the two big ones that made it to, like, that came cinematic through, yeah. release. Yeah, I don't know. The Giver? That was one. I think that's slightly <laughs> okay. older though. But anyway, if that happened in The Giver, I don't think I would Google what happened in the two other quarter quells, but I was very yeah, interested right. to find out in this. But what is it? What well, we'll get to that when we get to Catch a Fire. But <laughs> lot, I, lot I, of pins yeah. put in this for uh, yeah, in this podcast for Catch a Fire. Yeah. What do you What do you think of the Hunger Games and what's your experience with it? Well, I, I, first of all, I agree with a couple of things you said there. I think the role of the media in this series is like smarter than the the rest everything else in the films i guess like it, yeah. it's a lot more subtle and it's a lot more like 
um, subconscious and and subliminal what it's doing with like what it's saying about the media. I think that I agree that if we're talking about post Harry Potter young adult fiction, I recently had the very the very good for doing this podcast. Um, I recently rewatched Twilight and New Moon um, with my flatmate, mm. and my God, is the Hunger Games better than Twilight? Mm. Like. Jesus Christ. It's it's like so much better than Twilight. A yeah. series which I have a soft spot for and don't <laughs> yeah. hate, you know? But the the yeah, the I just feel like I think um uh Jennifer Lawrence, at least at the time around this era, hmm. much better actor, much better performance than anyone in Twilight. And oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just throw out then anyone in Twilight like that. AJ. Okay, aside from Billy Burke. There's qualifiers you need to put on that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I you know, I just, I think it takes itself a lot more serious and no no one was laughing at the Hunger Games whereas people were laughing at Twilight. Yeah, true. I think. Um but I I was as I guess as like and someone who didn't read a lot of books in their life Oh, I shouldn't say that so definitively. Someone who currently has not read a lot of books in his life. Um, I (laughs) really knew nothing about The Hunger Games, and I went to see the first one in the cinema because my friend worked at the cinema, so I got 50-cent tickets. Knew really nothing about it. I remember feeling like, it's not the most original idea. Like it's it's battle royale. It's like a concept. Like well, let's put that, a pin in that because I will come that, back to that. <laughs> that I think you can kind of like. Uh, it's not too hard to come up with this idea, I guess. Yeah. And I think I think the first Hunger Games is pretty good. Ah, uh, but there's a scene in it. There was well, not even a scene. There's a moment in it which takes it down half a star. We'll what put is the scene? Um, it is so Peter, who's uh, he's called Peter by Peter! the way because he's but he's a baker's like boy. Peter, like Peter bread. Well, it's got uh, two and E's. It's not Peter. Has for mind. some, that's true. For some reason, there's this like storyline in it where because he's good at like decorating cakes he's real Mm. good at like camouflage um and there's a bit where they're training where he like paints like sort of a wood a wooded pattern into his uh, yeah bark pattern into his leg or something and they're like his arm and they're like wow that looks amazing and it's like this doesn't look amazing that's putting it lightly this is magic like, you have, <laughs> this isn't paint you have put like a green screen you are on an artist you have you've turned magically into bark and this of course pays off because you got to pay off your Chekhov's guns uh we're deep into the hunger games they've been split up and katniss finds peter who is camouflaging in the rocks and he looks insane. He looks ridiculous. He's painted himself. And he also just looks sad. Like he looks. So yeah, defeated. he looks pathetic. He looks like, <laughs> what have I done with my life? And I think that that part of the film is so stupid. I just it looks so stupid, and it ruins the movie. I think. I think it's like a like a nuke the fridge moment. Mm. It it just feels so silly, and no one in the movie's laughing. Um, <laughs> you know, like they're all like, "Wow, you're so good at camouflage." Like what? the hell is going on if you haven't seen it which you probably have look up um peter camouflaging in the rocks yeah um yeah and the uh, my other problem i guess with it that keeps me from really loving this movie and, and we can compare it to catching fire i think as well here is like it's just it's it, there's a predictability to 
it that you can't really escape and that's because it, it, with any battle royale media whether it's hunger Which games we'll whether it's yeah. um uh, squid game whether it's uh playstation all-stars battle royale or super smash bros no um whenever you have like a clear main character and it's a battle royale it's like well gee i guess guess who's gonna win the hunger games mm. and so it just feels a little like the whole time you're like this or it's almost like i guess the tension comes from well like how will everyone else die and mm. how will katniss and peter get through this because well also because are they going to be one victor I, they, exactly that's what i mean but uh, other than that it's just kind of like it's not even that much of a of a detractor for me it's just mm. something which i feel the stakes are i i'm never i'm never worried for katniss's life i guess because i know there are sequels coming and yeah i mean that's arguable about, arguable about any uh, piece of entertainment that puts the main character's life in, at risk. I guess so, but like the main character in the kissing booth isn't necessarily going to die. Like those yeah, aren't yeah, where the stakes are set. That's yeah, but AJ, specific- we can't all be the kissing no, that, booth. That's specifically not what I just said, though. <laughs> I said okay. in any piece of media where the the main character's life is at stake. Oh, I thought you said in any piece of media where the characters make a kissing booth. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned that a lot of people criticized this movie when it first came out because it bears a lot of similarity to two Japanese films called uh, the Battle Royale films. And I've seen the Battle Royale films, but it's like... the, The plot of those is that similar sort of thing that it's like once every year... Uh, kids are put into a battle royale and this and that though it's um kids uh, it's this classroom that that does it and right there's like you there's a one one classroom in, in japan each year is is chosen and you each get a backpack that has like one weapon in it and one of the first guys gets like a fucking bow and arrow and then it's like so you leave in order he just like fucking waits by the door kills everyone as they come out but like one person gets like a small vial of poison and so it's like okay well i have to befriend a bunch of people so i can be in a position where i am feeding them this poison but and then the second one's a lot more like a um like project mayhem from fight club it's like it's a very different right. kind of film but the the thing is that both of those films are just the um the greek myth of the minotaur which is really yeah there it's as a Punishment for past crimes, Minos forces Athens to sacrifice seven youths and seven maidens into the the, the labyrinth for to be killed by the Minotaur. And that was I guess it's not just killing Colin. each other though. Uh yeah. I mean I don't know. It's it's Suzanne Collins has directly cited that as an influence, but it's this whole thing of like putting up your children for sacrifice and making them fight. Mm. Right. Is uh yeah, so it's you know it's it's there's only there's only like seven original stories, and <laughs> the myth of the labyrinth is one of them. Mm. So, AJ, you mentioned uh, there that there was a few characters you meet in the arena. Some you like, some you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me one that you did. One I did like. I uh, I might be um going against the grain and public opinion on this one, Richard, but I quite liked Rue, the mm. little girl who is uh, the the youngest of the um what do they call them tributes, tributes. 
Yeah, the youngest of the tributes who uh, who gets involved in the Hunger Games from District, I want to say, 11. Uh, let me double check that for you. What? I want to say 8. I feel like I remembered it was 11 because it felt like a d- directly comparing her to Katniss in 12. Yeah, it was 11, yeah. Um, which is like, the, the, the they're in order of like wealth. So District 1 is kind of oh. like buddy buddy with the capital they're the richest ones i didn't know that jack quaid's character is from district one so he's like the cocky pretty boy and then uh district 11 is kind of like the it, it's the black one really like it's uh it's it's really sort of made it like in the films it's quite weirdly explicit that it's like this is the, the one the segregated yeah but um <laughs> right despite that there's this there's this really good a video essay on youtube called the day rue became black have you seen those i've come across it in your no. so it's it's about it's it's a kind of about like casting and films and stuff so it is this idea so rue and is described twice in in the book and it mentions yeah. have her having dark skin and the other tribute from district 11 is also mentions having dark skin twice and once it's actually compared to he's got the same dark skin as Rue kind of thing. Right. When the film came out and so the the woman who put together this video essay dug up like dozens of tweets of just all these people being like, was anyone else not sad when Rue died because she was black? And, you know, quite a few obviously using the N-word as well. It is this thing about like how people read books and, you know, you say like, oh, this person has dark skin and a lot of people white people read this and go oh she's tanned you know i've been described as dark skinned before <laughs> but it's like she she kind of goes on to say that it's like if anything the character is probably lighter skinned than the books make her out to be especially like that because they talk specifically about having the same skin color as um the the two tributes from district 11 having the same skin color and in the film the male tribute is is much darker skin but yeah it's just, it's, it's it, i would recommend checking out the video essay but there's there is also the, this there's been studies done about how black girls are seen as being like less innocent and that like they've done studies mm. about how you know how old or how mature do you perceive this person to be just looking at a photo of them and on the whole young black girls are seen as being a bit older people assume that they've lived more of a life and so mm. that in, it, in its most extreme form that translates to people watching the hunger games and not being sad when rue dies yeah i mean look at you know the hysteria that breaks out when a when a white girl goes missing compared to mm. yeah. any of the other i'll say it better races <laughs> than one I think I, I. You want to know how I rank the races, Richard? Okay. I put white right at the bottom. Tell okay. you what, tell you that. Then much. how do you do the rest of them? I, I haven't nah, made that. This feels too dicey. <laughs> yeah, what, what else happens in the Hunger Games? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just um, recommend uh, shout out to the. I can't remember the name of the YouTube channel, but if you search the day Ruby became black, yeah. So a few things interesting about the Hunger Games. Uh, it is the. 21st highest grossing film franchise of all time. Okay. Just missing out of the top 20, which Wikipedia lists the top 20. It's grossed over 2.97 billion worldwide. And out of the top 20 highest grossing films, we've covered 15 of them here on the podcast. 
Could you guess the five that we haven't covered? Uh, Despicable Me. That is one of them. Uh, Star Wars. Yep. Um, Two of them actually overlap. Two of them overlap. So it's a crossover that we haven't done. Not necessarily, but it's like one of those weird, like, you'll know it when you hear it, but it's certain ones fit into both franchises because oh like is it like a spider-man situation it is a spider-man situation it's not spider-man though batman yeah and superman no oh the dcu yeah. in general yeah yeah and there's one more it's the shortest um, franchise on the list i don't know what is it Pokemon? what would be the highest grossing film franchise with only two films in it frozen no we've done that <laughs> um only two films in it. Well, I don't just, know. Just what is it? Throw out some high-grossing films. Richard, this is so hard for me, and I'm trying to make it clear to you without just saying it that I can't guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I got that feedback from um <laughs> people about our last week episode of giving you riddles that it's like, boy, you can really lead that AJ to water, but you can't make him drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, who told you that? Someone at my work. Ah. Oh. <laughs> This is sad. That's made anyway, me so upset. And, and the, the water I've led you to, uh, you know, you could say the way of water I've led you to. Um, All right. You know, if we're talking okay. high grossing films. And I said, just throw out some high grossing films. And you refused to play my little game. If you had just, you know, listed one of the highest grossing films of all time or its predecessor the highest grossing film of all time <laughs> you would have uh, gotten that correct yeah avatar was also it's on more there. like you lead me to water and then you like kick me in the nuts and leave me for dead that's how i feel about it <laughs> just don't lead me to any water just no, well, tell me I, just I, give I, me water it's just more give like me water. I, I lead you to water but um but i don't explicitly tell you to drink it <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then I come back days later and you're like so dehydrated. And I'm like, you can drink that if you want. And you go, <gasps> finally! <laughs> <laughs> you lead me to water and then you piss in the water. And then you're like, have a, have a go, have a drink. Have a go, have a go. Anyway, <laughs> the, this was the uh, it said an opening uh, biggest opening weekend uh, and biggest opening day for an original IP at the time. Right. And... Okay. Yeah, uh, Suzanne Collins contributed to the screenplay. She had experience writing screenplays. Uh, can you guess what she wrote? You want to lead me to some water here? <laughs> uh, no, she'd, she'd written Clifford's Puppy Days. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to really chat about about the first Hunger Games? I want to talk about Stanley Tucci, who mm-hmm. I think is probably the, the highlight of the entire yeah, franchise. Playing, a, playing the Graham Norton-esque character. Yeah, what's his name? It's like... Flickerman. Uh, Caesar Flickerman, yeah. Caesar Flickerman, who, you know, is because of the ca- the role the character plays is kind of like depressingly absent from the last two films. But like he he like represents, I guess, this like um the the kind of like midway between the the media aspect and the tributes having to like put on a happy face because you know watching the these franchise this this franchise as somewhat of a of a wannabe revolutionary richard the whole time i'm I thinking think about, i would like, be charmed by him too <laughs> yeah i'm thinking like what would i do in this situation and i i just found myself so pissed off at the expectation to like buy in you know mm. like the expectation to, you are from a slave district and then you have to be like oh yeah i'm stoked to be killing people and potentially die myself for the for the hunger games for the capitals entertainment mm. and then they bring up like well you gotta get them to like you or else they're not gonna help you mm. and then i was like ah 
that's very good and caesar flickerman represents mm. that to me like he yeah, is yeah. The, the the person that that allows them to like show their most uh charismatic side and things like that and i think it's just like like i think um effie played by elizabeth Banks, she has the more interesting character arc across the series i kind of wish they'd figured out to do something similar with caesar caesar though because it's it's just it's like they're they're not they're not like maliciously in power mm. uh that they sort of yeah. like don't even consider their their positions yeah I but i don't know maybe it would just be like a a repeated thing though if you just did it with him as well and i mean you know we, we, it could have been like filming that he wasn't because i know Effie's role in mockingjay part one and two is significantly beefed up from the book and maybe they wanted to do something similar to caesar but i also just think that yeah like i don't know it, like to me it's 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 kind of more interesting that you have because it was just like even the capital have turned against the capital then it's like I don't know. I I like this idea that it's like no, they still have their loyal followers. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I don't like that. I'm just saying like he's a great character, and it's a fun dynamic to add into it to to try and like as I say, the role of media in this it extends beyond the like basic readings of the film, and mm. and it goes into things like social media. It goes into reality TV about how like. Or and politics as well, right? Like how mm. you present yourself, how how you gain popularity in a situation which shouldn't be about that, but it is. It always yeah. is, you know. And and I think that he's a, he's just a, a great character to throw into that that mix. So yeah, yeah, right on, right on. Got a couple of pieces of dumb IMDb trivia. Well, although before we get to that, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Eighty five percent. You are very close. Yeah, is eighty four percent. Wow, there you go. Drink Thank up. You for that yum, yum, yum. Gulp, gulp, gulp. <laughs> uh, yeah, a few pieces of dumb IMDb trivia. The the name Rue in the dictionary has many different meanings. Some of which are compassion, to feel sorrow over, to bitterly regret, and to repent. Suzanne Collins chose wisely with her characters' names. <laughs> that's something we probably should talk about is the characters names in yeah. this because i get like remember when we covered harry potter the franchise that mm. shall not be named but i just did um th- th- we talked about how like the fun thing about something like avada kedavra is that clearly like in mm. the implied history is at some point a muggle heard avada kedavra and now a muggle's idea of what a magician mm. or a wizard is is someone who says abracadabra and it's like this you know like yeah. this this terrifying spell that has been uh bastardized and it's and it's language to now it's like something silly in the same way it's like these are similar names to what we have now but slightly different mm. and you can kind of see how like the name peter would turn into peter, peter! or the name <laughs> hamish would turn into well hamish would turn into hamish or how catherine maybe would turn into katniss mm. um yeah it's yeah. funny i thought they were, when i first saw it, you know you think it's so stu- and like this is you know part and parcel with young adults uh, fiction that it's they no, have these insane not the, names not the, not the person <laughs> <laughs> but they not the demographic yeah but um and at the time i thought oh this is so stupid but now watching it i'm like yeah this is the way names are headed like yeah yeah you know exactly. if, if you believe okay if the if the i believe that part of pan am which is the the united states part of it is that like the sea levels have risen so the like actual livable area of the united states is much smaller it's implied the Mm -hmm. 
capital is in like the Rocky Mountains, Colorado sort of area, and that the District 12 is in like the Appalachian mountain area. Right. Uh, this is probably more like book lore, but I've just, just read that online. I always pictured it as just being in a straight line, like a snowpiercer snow kind of thing that you get more wealthy on down the line because you see them traveling by train through each of the districts, and I assumed they were in a straight right, line. Right. Yeah, that, so say if, you know, this catastrophic event that causes the capital happens and, and all the whatever happens this year, we're talking, you know, at least 74 years in the future, the way kids' names have been heading, I could see them being at this point in 74 mm. years, if not worse. Ah, oh, there'll be babies named Katniss yeah. already because of yeah. the movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, did you see... Very recently, so the Hunger we talked about this last uh, last episode a little bit, but that the Hunger Games was just randomly had a little moment in the spotlight in the last month. Like it was all over TikTok, people yeah, were talking about it. Uh, th- not here to answer that question, but okay. Recently, Jennifer Lawrence had talked about how when she was in the Hunger Games, it was the first time anyone had ever put a woman in the lead role in an action franchise. Is this on IMDb was, trivia? No, no, she she said that like. See, that's but just this was two thousand twelve, where people just said shit, and it was you know. No, no, no. She said this this year. Oh, okay. Never mind. I was gonna say like she said when I did the Hunger Games this year. God, there'd be an yeah. up, there'd be a bloody revolution that you'd need to quell and then yeah. uh, punish them for their subordination once again. Yeah, I believe she said it this year. The quote the quote is recent, but I, um, Jennifer Lawrence, female lead action movie a lot of typos there uh oh, so it was at the end of last year oh well that's completely oh, she different. she clarified the statement in january anyway but what did she, she clarify to um so and part of the of actors on actors with viola davis she said i remember when i was doing hunger games nobody ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie because it wouldn't work we were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead but boys cannot identify with a female lead um and a lot of people a lot of backlash she said certainly not what i meant to say at all i know i am not the only woman who has ever led an action film what i meant to emphasize was how good it feels and i meant that with viola to blow past these old myths you hear about about the chatter that you would hear about and that kind of thing but it was my blunder and it came out wrong i had the nerve i had nerves talking to a living legend yeah fuck like who gives gives a shit we know what she meant it's not like she's like blinded by I don't know. I sympathize well, I, with her. Yeah, I'm not sure I would, like... I don't know. If you say a statement like, no one had ever put a woman in the lead of an action film, hmm. I'm not sure I would be like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I think... But it's, it's still, like, a statement about how, like, it still is uncommon and not done as much as yeah, sure. male yeah. leads. But the... Contrary to the claims of Jennifer Lawrence, this was not the first action film with a woman in the lead role. There were scores of action films with women in the lead role released before The Hunger Games. The honour of being the first... Do you know what the first action film with a female lead is? I want you to guess, AJ. Tomb Raider. No, uh, Faster Pussycat. Kill, kill. Okay. Turisatana. I didn't even know there was a movie, so you would have been leading me to... That was the first film I went to go see after lockdown. They played it at the Hollywood Cinema in Avondale. You would have been leading me to a lake I couldn't even see. A mirage, Richard. (laughs) Uh, This one, I very much enjoyed uh, reading this. Uh, So the reaping scene, where you've got all the boys and girls of District 12 out there, uh, was shot in extreme heat. So the main actors and actresses got to escape to their trailers while the extras were left to sit in the heat. 
let me tell you, Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutchison, and Elizabeth Banks felt so bad about it that they gave free autographs to anyone who wanted one. Wow. Isn't that the most capital ass shit you've yeah, ever exactly. fucking Yeah, exactly. That's like so broken. <laughs> like you've become the, the very thing your story is an allegory for. I can't believe that. I was like, <laughs> oh, I was just skimming it and I was like, oh, they bought ice cream for everyone. No. <laughs> like, they say, who wanted, I mean, I guess it was, he was just about to star on one of the biggest films, but I was like, who would have wanted Josh Hutchison's <laughs> autograph in 2011 when they filmed this? I'm a massive, Terabithia fan please yeah or like and even Jennifer Lawrence it's like oh I loved you in Winter's Bone I mean she was nominated for an Oscar (laughs) so sure but we have a segment we sometimes forget to do called French Wise Mm. this is one that Suzanne Collins said she always planned to write a trilogy and you know this was essentially optioned as a trilogy for the film adaptation at least so there's not too much to talk about there Mm. but yeah I mean Hunger Games became Every bit as iconic as they wanted it to. You mentioned the I volunteer was uh, the most popular phrase of three years later, yeah, apparently, yeah. which is which is odd. But it was followed only a year later. It's a very neat franchise. All the releases are only a year apart by The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Mm. So this one was directed this time by Francis Lawrence. And AJ, do you want to take a wee little guess what it has in Ron Tomatoes? Let's go. Um, so the first one was 84. Uh-huh. I'm feeling like a pretty pretty close to that. I'm feeling like maybe an 86. 90. Wow. That's pretty close. So, AJ, what is The Hunger Games Catching Fire about? The Hunger Games Catching Fire is about it's so it's more it's like a year, it's the next year, it's the following year. Mm-hmm. Uh and Katniss Katniss and Peter are still uh putting up this charade of their love um which i do i want to talk about probably in this one because that's another one of my favorite aspects of the series that maybe doesn't go the way i wanted it to but anyway you're a big gale fan eh? uh, not necessarily they're still haunted by their memories of killing people and and seeing um people die um and a lot of it begins as is sort of about that and about this like uh, the whispers of an uprising as as victors of the 74th annual Hunger Games, they are sort of they go on like a tour to the other districts to like talk about how, you know, they, they, they are doing well and shit and mm. Katniss sort of unintentionally while visiting District 11 talks about how much she wanted to save Rue and how much she loved Rue uh, and uh, one of the, the members of the districts like does the Mockingjay symbol which is when you kiss your fingers and then you hold three of them up and you go <laughs> this guy gets uh, taken in by the law and killed, executed for 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 you know this vaguely uh anti-capital sentiment yeah and uh, i would sort of just say that like the reason the uprising is sort of bubbling under the surface is that by having two victors Mm. it kind of exposed a flaw in the capital and it was like what katniss and peter saw was like a victory over the capital for the first time in 74 years of the hunger games yeah yeah 
Uh, and so, uh, basically, President Snow, played by Donald Sutherland, who is the lead villain in this series. And fuck, he's good in these He's movies. great. He basically goes like, all right, I'm starting to detect a wee thorn in my side. This Katniss Everdeen won't Katniss ever don't. <laughs> uh, and so he, <laughs> he decides that for the next Hunger Games, the quarter quell, uh, that... Um, it is going to be a survivor heroes versus villains, a survivor <laughs> all stars, uh, where all the victors from previous who are still alive from previous Hunger Games um, are going to be put in a raffle, and yeah, the uh, reaping 24... will be done from surviving victors. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is all a ploy, basically, to get Katniss Everdeen killed because people are starting to see her as a symbol. So, despite already uh, suffering dramatic PTSD. Uh, they are thrust back into the Hunger Games and they're all like, here we go again. No, they, they never say here we go. Mm. Despite this being the genre of sequel that I like to call a here we go again sequel, mm. they never say here we go again in, this, in the film. The Hunger Games happens. They survive some a bunch of traps. They kill some people. They work out that the, the map, the, the arena is like a big clock or something. Mm. Um, and it's sort of going the same way as the last one did until Katniss sort of figures out, hey, we got to remember who the real enemy is, and she shoots an electrified arrow at the force field surrounding the arena. It shuts off the, the like, telecast, <laughs> and she is taken in by an underground group of rebels, um, and the film sort of ends there. We don't know what happens to Peter. We don't know what's going to happen next. We just know that the fire has been catched, <sighs> caught, fuck, <laughs> um, and and you know what awaits us mm. is. But a, also, the a the film ends with Katniss waking up with Gale by her side, and she says, mm. "Are they taking us back to twelve? And he says, "Katniss, there is no District Twelve. They the Capitol blew it up." And Katniss, you dreamt it. The you dreamt. So the thing is, the the book ends. The last line of the book, and I I think this is so stupid. I I, I've heard people, um, like I remember for some reason looking at the final page of Mockingjay. I don't know why. I remember. I I can tell you what the last uh, lines of Mockingjay are. I think, but the I've read stories of people talking about like picking up oh catching fire and just like checking the last page. The last line of the book is, Gail replied. Katniss, there is no District 12. And that's such a stupid, like, what a weirdly vague line. In the film, he clarifies it and says, they blew it up. But mm. <laughs> and if you just read that in the book, you'd be like, what do you mean? She imagined it. What do you mean? Yeah. Katniss, you've been in a coma for 74 years. <laughs> Katniss, there's just a, you don't you mean... Uh, uh, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Candace, don't you mean Massachusetts? <laughs> there, obviously, every twenty-five years, the Hunger Games have a fun little twist, and so we, in the books, they are told we are told what the other two ones have been. So, the twenty-fifth anniversary, as a reminder to the rebels that their children were dying because of their choice to initiate violence, every district was made to hold an election and vote on who would be representing them in the Hunger Games. Right. And on the 50th Hunger Games, as a reminder that two rebels died for every capital citizen, each district was required to send twice as many tributes. So there was a total of 48 tributes. Uh, and that actually, uh, Hamish won 
the 50th Hunger Games. Hamish, Woody Harrelson's character won the, the, the second, second quarter. quarter. Well, yeah. Uh, it's, you find out how he did it as well. Essentially, he got to, his fucking like stomach had been cut open. He was holding onto his guts. And there was this, I think it was a District 1 female would have this big fucking axe and she threw it at him, but he collapsed and it went over this cliffside. But then it hit the force field, bounced back, hit her in the face. She died and he won. And so... That's that's a very Hamish way to yeah. win the Hunger but Games. But so up until, yeah, the 74th Hunger Games, he was the only person from District 12 to have ever won. And so, you know, District 1 had a bunch of surviving mm. victors that could be chosen. But yeah, the, the whole point of making it, the, the pool would be previous victors is that Katniss had to go in and then they've got the choice of Peter or Haymitch and then Haymitch actually gets selected and Peter volunteers in his place because he, you know, I do like, I feel like all of that stuff is quite underexplained in the films. Like I, it, you, you, you blink and you'll miss who Haymitch even is and like what his role is and as their like um, mentor, I think. I blinked several times throughout the movie, and I thought that was made pretty clear. Well, you must have been confused as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Who's Katniss? I want to talk about Haymitch, though, because, Richard, what do you think of Haymitch? Because I seem to remember you did that I random was, little... This was, I was going to bring this up, yeah. ...character quiz where it tells you which Open, character you're most like. Org, I believe it is. And it's like a, a, a Myers-Briggs for several dozen fictional characters for those wondering my one is hurley from lost <laughs> <laughs> I, it gives you, you you answer up to like 150 questions i would actually recommend like please go i'll just double check that's actually the website but the, the point being is your number one was hamish yeah and i was Hamer i was Games. confused but yeah so you do the which character you quiz anyway you answer like 100 questions but it's like where, where would you say you lie on this scale between angry and happy or something like that so you put your slider answer a bunch of those questions and it gives you which character you're most like and yeah the one i got that i was most like was hamish abernathy from the hunger games some other ones in my like top 10 were like house and jeff winger and uh, dr cox like these kind of ones that you would be like that's richard but <laughs> the but yeah hamish was like an interesting one because i feel like his character is like not really he's an alcoholic that's more or less his entire character uh, I th- I see I see a lot of I can understand you getting that result. Okay, I explain think there is a since you're the there is a <laughs> you know um, kind thing. of like <laughs> there there is I think Hamish is is very intelligent, but he's also kind of like fed up with the world, and I think that that speaks to you. I think that um that. I, I don't know. I guess I could see you in this role. I could see you being this kind of like cynical mentor who doesn't really want to do it, and you sort of slowly. But I actually do friends. secretly really care about them. Yeah, exactly. But I would never let yeah. them know that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like Hurley because I'm a big fat guy because <laughs> you, you're hiding a big tub of mayonnaise. Yeah. God, you couldn't make Lost now and just have Hurley's storyline play out the way it does, eh? Yeah. It'd be like, this is insane. It'd be the whale levels of criticism. Mm. Be a whale of criticism. <laughs> now, I should have written down a bunch of the stuff that I wanted to put a pin in, but I think we've come back to a lot of them. But I, w- I do want to ask AJ, what is your opinion of Catching Fire? So despite this being a Here We Go Again sequel, which I think is one of the worst kinds of sequels. And we've the seen Hangover Part the Hangover Part Two. We've seen and I which talk about the Hangover 
uh, when, let's put a pin in. I want to bring up Hangover again. Really? Because there actually is a, a, this does tie into the Hangover weirdly. Is that why you want to bring and it up? Wh- N- not in any obvious way. Oh, there, there was a um, one of the parody films that in the wake of this was the Hungover Games, which was a parody of both the Hangover and the Hunger Games. Wow. No, I was just going to say that it's like okay, I'll just say it now. <laughs> both, both are like the second film in the series is here we go again. And then the third film in the series is the thing that's in the title isn't even in this. (laughs) (laughs) Like they don't have a hangover and there are no hunger games in the third hunger games movie. Um, But the, the, yeah. So despite it being a, here we go again, sequel, it is also maybe my favorite kind of sequel, which is the like dealing with the psychotic aftermath of the first film, Mm. which I think uh, this film does particularly well. I think um, it's, I remember going to. I saw this in Australia. I was in a on a trip to Australia. It was my first time oh, overseas. My Went to see this, and I remember thinking, like, so they just do another Hunger Games. They just went ahead like, and you made know, another like, Hunger Games. They just went ahead Probably and made not a good another. Idea. Because I think there's a the obvious the obvious way to do a sequel to this is to like a new cast of characters, almost like a new like just the next Hunger Games, I guess. Um, and I'm not saying uh, that's certainly. I'm certainly not saying that would be better, but that's sort of like the obvious answer if you want to keep or just skip straight to the revolution mm. um, that the, that the they're setting up. Yeah, because to be fair, the book's sequel doesn't have the word Hunger Games in it. So. Exactly. Uh, so I guess like I I enjoy that. I enjoy that quite a lot, and I think um, the kind of like anger that boils in your belly watching like these the the rich upper class mm. like pit the lower class against each other for fun like a lot of that stuff is is paid off in this there's there's a lot more sort of interesting side characters in it um the i'd say the in general the hunger games that are featured themselves are more interesting than the one on the first one i um, think as and well i think that a big part of that we didn't talk about this for the first film but one of the biggest criticisms of the first one is like the overuse of shaky cam and right i think that part of that is a little bit of like necessity that you know you you've established this is kid on kid violence you know and mm. so the shaky cam sort of masks any more violent stuff but with this one not only is it a different director but it is this is adult on adult violence because they're all previous victims. Yeah, true. So you don't have to hide the violence in the same yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, I think um, Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, turns up as a man named Plutarch Evansby. Plutarch Evansby. I love the names in this are so extra. And then uh, Mahershala Ali in the second two is just called Boggs. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Um, yeah. And so, so he's a lot of fun and um, I like where it ends. Uh, I think overall, it's, it's all right. It's a pretty good movie. It's better than the first one. It, it's better than the first one, and that's a badge of honor in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for a long time, have championed this film. And you... <laughs> I fucking love this film. <laughs> I did, man. I fucking love 
Catching Fire. When I, think- I logged this, having rewatched it, when I re- when I went to log it again on Letterboxd after watching it this time, the last time I'd logged it, I gave it two stars. <laughs> and I was like, what? I bet, like, I was, I, I reckon, legit, you just were going on and on about it. And so I would have done it just to, like, spite you. Because I don't remember disliking it when I saw it in Australia. So. And so that's the only time you'd seen it when you saw it in Australia? Yes, correct. Right, so at some point between then, you just went on and said it was a two-star film. I think in have, response you to you, possibly. You, when you saw it the first time. But yeah, like, I... Because you were so confident that it's not... That they're all about as good as each other and there's no difference in quality. Oh, I no. think... No, no, no. I wasn't... So confident. I hadn't seen the last two. I hadn't seen the last two. You were adamant. So so I wouldn't have been confident about that. so confident. Because I hadn't seen them. My position was like in response to you having hyped up how good Catching Fire was. A movie I had seen and didn't remember being that good. And gave two stars. (laughs) I guess like I just was like, it's not that. It's not like that much better. And I still don't think it's that much better than the first one. I think it's it's better than the first one. It is better than the first one. I agree because it doesn't have See? Peter camouflaging in the rock <laughs> yeah no I, I out of all of the young adult um, sort of stuff I will say the only uh, like I would say Prisoner of Azkaban if we're counting Harry Potter I feel is, like we shouldn't count Harry Potter yeah yeah I mean it's it's a uh, I, I, I know there's like a um, something else to compare this to but i can't think of it right now but it's essentially where it's like yeah they're technically playing the same game but it's like it's so much better at it it's not even like new moon comparing new moon's playing the same game as catching fire it's a no no i mean like like that why why there's no point in counting harry potter but um, oh right sorry uh, yeah out of twilight divergent maze runner all of these sort of young adult fictions that came out of the wake like i think catching fire is like so far and away the best one out of any of those if we're including harry potter i would probably put it i would quite happily put it up next to any of the harry potter movies except for prisoner of azkaban which i think is better Mm -hmm. but yeah i just think that like i because going into it completely blind i was so my mind was blown by how cleverly they got it so that yeah she's in another hunger games like To me, I thought I was like, "What a great plot convolution!" Yeah, that that's what it right, is. Because that it- also that it is like that, you know. Oh, that's a little fucking convenient. It's like, yeah, because it's not a, it's not explicitly confirmed, but it's pretty heavily implied that because I, I believe the all the sort of things that could be a quarter quell were written at the start of the Hunger Games, and then one is revealed, so they're not supposed to know. It's pretty heavily implied this one wasn't one of those original ones and was just announced by the Capitol. Well, yeah, you see them. Well, don't they figure? Isn't it like the result of them figuring out how to kill Katniss? Uh, yeah, it's it, you never explicitly see them do it, but it's yeah. I don't, I, right. But yeah, I just thought that was such a like great like yeah. Of course, this is like we go with a sequel, and I didn't feel cheated at all that it was a here we go again sequel. And I also, even when they get to the point of like, yep, it's just another Hunger Games. Here's all the things that you you know expect from a Hunger Games movie. I'd already had over an hour of like all the great world building stuff and all this sort of like revolution bubbling under the surface. And yeah. when the, when the tributes go on tour this time, Joanna Mason, who's the uh, district seven tribute, you know, says essentially like I was promised that the whole point of winning the hunger games is that like, you now get to live a life of peace. 
and now I'm being picked on for it essentially. Yeah. But interestingly, it's not really it's not brought up in the movie, but she's the only living female victor of District Seven, so she's in the same boat as Katniss. Right. But yeah, and then just there's so much. It's just such a step up in terms of filmmaking from the first one i think there's a great thing that's not preserved on the version we watched on amazon prime in new zealand but the moment when she's put in the cylinder and you know goes up to the 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 hunger games the arena where sinner played by lenny kravitz is Mm -hmm. killed right in front of her the aspect as she goes up the aspect ratio you see it it's not like it's not like transformers where just in between shots it cuts it's like you see the shot widen as she goes up and it's just a great like fuckier moment when it moves into Mm -hmm. imax yeah i don't know just like all the world building all that first hour stuff i thought was so good and then the hunger game the actual hunger games i thought was just like so much better made and yeah like i said i think i went to a midnight screening of this and I just came out so fucking jazzed. And I was like, this franchise, I was, I'd was, watched the first one because I think my girlfriend at the time was into it and she'd put it on for me. And I was like, oh yeah, the shaky cam is a bit much, but I can see why people like this. And then Catching Fire, I was like, fuck yeah, I am a fan of this. Like, I, I think Catching Fire, and I still do, I think it's a fucking awesome movie. Hmm. Yeah, man, That's and I think right. it's and I think it's so much better that, that, and I can't believe that you were so confident and so steadfast in your yeah, assurance yeah. that yeah, I got it, it was not better than any than the other ones. I got the date tattooed, and I wrote my current opinion is that all the Hunger Games <laughs> movies are as good as each other, mm. and then I watched the first one. It was yeah. just before I watched the first one. One thing that I don't know if I've mentioned, I think I probably have mentioned this on the podcast before, but. When I was in year 11, I think, or year 12, I would have been, so would have been, what, about 16, 15, 16? Mm. You could, there was a point in high school where, you know, you would go to the gym and you would write your name down to be on a sports team. And then certain ones you would try out for, certain ones you would just get oh, in I if there wasn't enough this. interest. Or, <laughs> well, you never had that or you never... I never did it. I'm sure it happened. It's just a, a flash in a life that was not mine. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't even so know this was a thing. I was friends with a lot of the like the rugby guys. And so on Wednesday afternoons, they would go, oh, miss, miss, we've got to go. We can't do the last two periods because we've got to go to our rugby training. And I was like, you know, in year 11, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for sport too. And do you know what sport I did? What'd you do? I did archery. You and so, archery at Papua Nui High? <laughs> well, we went to like a, not in on the high school, we went to like oh, a, right, okay. um, a different location. But yeah, through Papua Nui High, I did archery. And That's interesting. Why is that interesting, Archie? Just that archery is even an option. Well, it was, and I did it. And it was Maybe great it was fun. an option at Burnside High as well, but I just yeah, didn't into We it. could have met at archery. Wow. And... there's different strengths to like the bows you use so you know a bow being a curved piece of wood and some string and depending on like the tension of the string or of the wood or whatever like we were on sort of like beginner bows so they're quite easy to draw back and you know you draw them back quite far to get a bit of power you go up to i remember like i got to have a turn on like a professional one and i could barely draw the string back kind of thing but it gives you so much fucking power that's the kind of one you would need for the hunger games and the thing is even on those those like little bows i used you know you would draw it back you would you know if you extend your arm out you and you'd like lock it so you're 
that's not bent at all. And you've got a little bit of your elbow that just sort of like sticks out. Where the string hits that part of your body, you will have a blackened arm for like a week because it it's such a massive, massive welt of like this bruise. Right. Every time there's a close-up of Katniss pulling her bow back, which is going to be so, so much more tension, going to have so much more tension in it than what I was using. She hooks her nose in front of the string. And if you're using like an Olympic strength bow, which we see her shoot this fucking force field way up in the sky, so it has to be, that would cut off your nose. It is it is terrible direction. And this one, one like I've seen people online talk about this, but she also like a bunch of times will have like the arrow on the wrong side of the bow. And there's like all these things that are just like, if you watch this as an archer, which I was for a while, <laughs> it's, it's so terrible and distracting. Like, you know, to, when she is supposed to be the face of archery in cinema next to Legolas, hmm. she can't even fucking do it. So does this bring the, the cat Catching Fire film down like a star, maybe a star and a half for you? No. We're not typically I, the podcast to do things like this, are we? I know, to be like, I know. here's an inaccuracy in the the production value of the film that has yeah. made me angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- yeah, but is- AJ, I know a little bit about archery, and that was enough. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene in this film where Gina Malone, who plays Joanna Mason, strips fully naked in front of Hamish. Peter and Katniss as sort of an intimidation. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tactic when they're all, all the tributes are getting I'd ready for the games. I'd be pretty intimidated if a woman stripped naked in front of me. Yeah, there's about... I'd be like, what do you want from me? There's like... <laughs> there's maybe like 10, 15 pieces of INDB trivia which talk about this scene and mostly say the same thing. But... Eugenia Malone stated that her stripping scene was filmed in a real hotel glass elevator that was not closed for production and guests could see in. Even though her nudity wasn't shown on screen, she actually did strip naked in front of Woody Harrelson, Josh Hutchison, and Jennifer Lawrence during filming. Although she was surprised the scene wasn't being shot in a studio or soundstage, she went with the flow. Then, the moment she's she's was totally nude, the doors opened to reveal a hotel employee carrying a coffee cup holder. He's shocked to see her stand there stark naked. Malone tried to stay in character, but she just started laughing. And it's clearly one of these things where, like, she spoke about this a lot on the publicity tour, and so people have taken different retellings of yeah, that yeah. story, different elements of that story, and been like, oh, that's a piece of IMDb trivia. This is one of those things that, like, Probably wouldn't fly in the in the world of um, co- uh, intimacy coordinators on set. No, it's interesting, isn't it? That like, I wonder if she was actually naked or if she had like pasties. Uh, apparently, stuff. she had one piece of um, clothing that she hadn't removed, but it doesn't say what. Well, surely it's the the lower half of the body, right? Yeah, or some kind of underwear or something. Yeah, because you just see her from behind, and 
yeah she she talked about how like she wanted to be fully nude for the scene and stuff but more had to see if she could strip fully naked within six seconds but yeah it's a weird scene because it's like but the, the the thing that i find so distracting about that scene is it's like jennifer lawrence or katniss reacts very jennifer lawrence to it <laughs> yeah she, right she pulls these like very uh, i mean it's it's not like a the films aren't like a period piece but it's like i would say they're very like modern expressions where she's like kind of rolling her eyes and like biting her tongue it looks like how you know an annoyed girl in 2013 would react to something yeah it's it's almost like a it's like snl acting almost or like Mm. how she behaves in any like press junket she does it's kind of similar to that i think yeah which is like um what they describe on snl is like annoyingly relatable (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, i i i like so uh, yeah let's talk about the the relationship between peter and katniss because Mm. Something that's very compelling to me, and I feel like it's not really paid off in a way that I find particularly interesting. But something that's really compelling to me is this idea of you win the Hunger Games by faking a love story between the two characters, and that in real life she's actually into this other guy and isn't into Peter at all, right? Mm-hmm. And that's certainly where it starts, and I find that really compelling. I think that's really awesome, especially because he does have feelings for her. And I think it's all good until towards the end of this film, where it kind of... it's hard, Again, it's hard to tell because they have cameras, cameras on them. But it's like she actually does like him. And, you know, there's a juiciness to a love triangle. Twilight did it. I get it. But I feel like it's not... I I never believed, just watching the acting, that Mm. Katniss Everdeen likes Peter Malark that way. I felt the same way about Gail. (laughs) Like, Gail's not not a character. I'm not saying... I'm not bringing Gail into this, so I don't necessarily disagree. But I think... I I, I guess I'm just really intrigued by the complications that would arise from pretending to be in love with someone in order to save your life and Mm. having to upkeep that that uh charade you know um mm. with gail i think he's he needs to be in the first two films way more than he is yeah um to, to have any kind of like emotional thud with any of the like yeah it's it's so it's character. such a strange attempt at a love triangle because it's just mm. like whereas like i mean i guess they have like a bit of a flirtation in the first one but it's like even if, like if they were like explicitly together and I mean, some people might might be listening to this thinking that they that they are like the kind of anyway. But they kiss like, at the start of the first film. Yeah, but if film, if they were like explicitly together, and then you have her having to pretend she's not already in a relationship and is in mm. love with this guy, and then he's watching it back home, knowing she has to do this to survive. Mm. Like that's an interesting. Dynamic. It's great stuff, and it's the, the the ball is just totally fumbled with every kind of beat of it. And, and it's like I, I assume that's what the film is going for. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's just going to be so much more explicit, and maybe it's in the books. So I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I want to talk about that at the when we talk about Mockingjay Part Two as well. All right. Well, good thing we're moving right on to Mockingjay Part Two now. Wow, we're just skipping, much yeah. like the films themselves. Mm. No, to, to undo the un- unnecessary nature of splitting <laughs> Mockingjay into two books, we're just going to ignore one of the films. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, interesting thing, though, just before we move on. Uh, so this was the highest grossing film of 2013. It was really? the first time since 1973 with The Exorcist that a female-led film topped the box office. And The Exorcist is a... That's kind of like... That's one of those things people list as... It's like when people say, like, Silence of the Lambs is the only horror movie to win Best Picture. And it's like... It's not like a pure horror movie, though. <laughs> it's not like, purely female-led. What the Exorcist isn't though, Hunger Games is. Sorry, Hunger Games counts qualifies. Yeah. I'm saying, but I I would say the main character of the Exorcist is the Exorcist. Yeah, I, I think it's the Exorcist is that uh, has a woman top build. So it actually does clarify that. So it's the first film to receive the to top the annual box office with a top build female since the Exorcist, and the first with a woman as the sole protagonist and primary marketing focus since The Sound of Music in 1960. Well, I wish you had said that before I then just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made a fucking idiot out of yourself. Yeah. Speaking of making an idiot, I'm going to make an idiot out of dumb IMDb trivia. Out of IMDb trivia. I'm going to make it dumb anyway okay. uh finnick finnick idea who was um the tribute from uh don't have what tribute what one he's he was kind from. of a bad boy yeah he won he won at age 14 he was the youngest person to ever um when he was sent an expensive gift from a from a sponsor um which was a trident and that's kind of his um go-to thing right yeah, Finnick has a lot of similarities to Aquaman with the trident, blonde hair, and even his name, Finnick, as in fins mm. on a fish. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm But that's not Aquaman's that. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that the fin thing probably occurred to Suzanne Collins and that yeah. it's not unintentional. Hmm. That, that would be my reading of that because yeah. Peter, the baker boy, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, I really like Finnick as a character. Hmm. I like that you think he's one of the bad guys and then it starts and he's one, the Hunger Games start and he's one of the good guys. Hmm. It's always very compelling, isn't it? When something yeah. like that happens. But yeah, we didn't mention there, but yeah, the, when we talked about how, oh, you know, people need to like you so that you can win, is that... Yeah, you get, uh, you can be sent, sponsors send you things throughout the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they say like all the, the, mo- the first thing you have to do is get, get water because, you know, you're dying. But because, you know, it's, it's an hour, it's an hour of the movie. So you are, your timing is thrown off a little bit to be like, well, how long are the games actually running for that getting water is that important? I looked, apparently the longest games, um, this, this could be a potentially a fanfic thing, but, uh, it ran for like two weeks. So right. they run for a week or so nice i just got a facebook message from someone who's never facebook messaged me before hmm. and it says movie idea i've reached that point of my career wow. that people who i don't know are sending me <laughs> i i got a um i got an instagram dm from someone who i'm i'm you know had just followed me a woman named hmm. jesse who just said hello, Richard? <laughs> Which is interesting. so. I, She's I, about to offer you a sheen haul. Should I like. should I reply and <laughs> um, <laughs> see how things go? <laughs> see, oh, see one thing leads to another. But um, it's interesting. So I I usually do movie reviews and they play on One News at about half past six on a Saturday. She messaged me at six thirty two, just saying hello, Richard, and I didn't have one that ran today. Wow. So uh, maybe she she noticed my absence, or just looked at your Instagram username. 
She might not even be from New Zealand. What she follows one news on Instagram. You didn't say that. Well, I didn't. I didn't feel I needed to. Well, I feel you did need to. Really. It's, <laughs> it's called storytelling. So, The Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part One came out in 2014. Again, directed by Francis Lawrence. What is the several on tomatoes, and what's it about? I reckon we're dropping to maybe like mid 70s for this one. 75. Um, I I will tell you, or you can take another guess, but I I should warn you. Yeah. You might pee your pants laughing. Oh my god. Is it 420%? No, it's not. Is it 69%? It is. Now, do we need to take a break? Yeah, I've I've literally, I've actually pissed blood. <laughs> That's how funny I found that. <laughs> so what is the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 about? Um, Not a lot. Uh, so <laughs> basically, yeah. District 13 has survived and it's underground. There's a, a new character in play, President Coyne, who is played by Julianne Moore, which makes this our second Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore franchise in a row, though they do not star on in the same movie. In a row. <laughs> Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) They do not star in the same movie in the Hannibal um, series, however. Uh, And basically they're like, hey, you are um, this symbol. The Mockingjay thing really took off. So we want to shoot a bunch of propaganda with you. And again, it's the role of the media, but this time Mm. for the sake of the the rebellion. Um, But the, the, and no one knows where Peter is at first. Um, and so basically Katniss and a new team of who's who's from various TV shows that were popular at the time, um, uh, like Natalie Dormer is in there from, she was big on Game of Thrones at the time. They go around to various like war-torn districts to film Katniss interacting with the public. And it's it's very, it's very, it's, a, it's such a strange way to take the, the story and I thought like like one of my favorite um conversations that we have sometimes on this podcast is when we watch these really long franchises like Hellraiser or whatever and then there'll be one that's like clearly the writers were bored so it's about them like playing a Hellraiser video game the meta sequel you know mm. And this is like a meta sequel for The Hunger Games. There's literally a bit in it where they're like, all right, well, we want Katniss to inspire people in our propaganda. So let's all list moments that where Katniss actually inspired us and someone's like, oh, where she volunteered as tribute for her sister. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is this? What is like? And like the, the Hunger Games logo that is used in the marketing of the films themselves exists in universe as the like yeah, the the mocking pin. Yeah, the mocking pin and the the whistle, which felt very much like it's something that belonged outside I don't know, the way it's presented in the trailers and stuff for these movies, it's weird to then hear it in the film used in a trailer or a commercial. I don't know, it's very strange and very meta in ways which I don't think it needed to be. But it's basically them adjusting to life underground and trying to figure out where Peter is, all while President Snow is gearing up to figure out where everyone else is so they can kill him. And in the end, they rescue Peter from the clutches of the Capitol, only to find that he's gone absolutely psycho mode. Sicko (laughs) mode. Yeah. Uh, he's been brainwashed and wants to kill Katniss Everdeen. And what else happens? Am I? Is there? Is that really all that happens? There, well, there's like a whole thing about like, yeah. So they they say, oh, we have to put her into like 
war-torn areas to truly inspire us and then while that's all going on as well that there's like a um mission to rescue peter and the other because mm. it was like um who else was the joanna Phoenix girlfriend yeah and um no what's her name annie krista yeah it's it's you know what i'll say it i'm 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 always the only one brave enough to say this yeah half a film it's half a film. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And, and this mm. is this is a yeah. It's it really like the problem Hollywood with splitting stories in half is that stories are actually written even in a franchise. Stories are written to be complete mm. analogs, complete ideas, complete thematic messages, right? And when you split one in half, even if you find a good like external event to split yeah. it in half, like in theory, finding out that Peter is actually insane and wants to kill Katniss is a great place to end a story, mm. especially a penultimate part. I of think it would be weird as the midpoint. Yeah, that's a good another way to put it. <laughs> like thematically, whatever idea you're trying to communicate, it is not being finished communicated by the end of this film and it just it's a two-hour movie and it feels like they're like pouring at the scraps of what there is in the novel to to finish the thing and also there's no hunger games in this one and much like i at this i compared it to hangover three before but probably a bit of more apt comparison and probably a, a comparison that's more like possibly intentional as it reminds me of deathly hallows and how mm. deathly hallows isn't a year at hogwarts and how that's one of my bigger issues with that story is like oh well you 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 said this is the format of the stories and much like this, there is that we'll get to it in part two. There's kind of a Hunger Games, but there is no <laughs> titular Hunger Games in this film. And with I, you know, <laughs> if we're talking like realisticness and the grounded nature of the story, like yeah, it does seem kind of silly that you're in the middle of a revolution that you'd have to make time for something as silly as a Hunger Game. But we are talking about entertainment here, and entertainment-wise, the Hunger Games are the best parts of both the first two movies. Like going oh, to these, the going to these weird like environments that are built to be arenas and surviving in all these interesting ways like even though these are like bad and in some ways antithetical to the to the message of the story these are where you get the most variety of plot beats where you get the most locations out of and these last two films are just set across like a bunch of war-torn cities and Mm. it's boring it's either underground or they're in a war-torn city and it's boring i'm bored of it it's not mm. interesting and i think that's one of the reasons i didn't didn't really like this one what do yeah. you think of it yeah i mean uh, it's just like yeah it, it, it doesn't have the same like I, I talked about you know how the, the what i love about the first two films is all the world building and more, i love that more than the hunger games this one is entirely there and i'm like that's too much <laughs> yeah I yeah I, yeah it, it, this one just didn't do it for me it's just uh, how long is is the novel compared to like like the roughly other novels, the same I length I, oh, really? oh sorry i thought you meant like um compared to the other two books like yeah it's not a particularly longer book than the other two see that's the problem right like that's mm. that's the issue yeah but so, oh, so, so the last thing that happens in this movie you said like yeah um peter comes back and then they're like oh do you want to go see him they see each other and he just starts fucking strangling Katniss. Boggs smacks him over the head with a lunch tray and then um, Katniss wakes up. District 13 has this moment with President Coyne speaking to them and then it ends with 
Katniss looking at Peter um, going crazy. The film originally ended with just Boggs smashing with the lunch tray because it cuts to black then. And then it was just going to be credits. And fuck, that's so much better, I reckon. Mm, right. I would, yeah. like, imagine, like, you know, you're at a midnight screening of this. And yeah. then, there yeah, was, bam, credits. Yeah. You, you be mean, blow cool. your fucking mind. And it, it, what this movie did was it, what's the name of the director? Francis Lawrence, who, uh, as IMDb trivia pointed out, is not related to Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, cool. Uh, I, it, it makes you question how good of a, like, storyteller and director he is right because mm. you've got catching fire um where he's been given a full good story to adapt and then you've got this where it's like there's some strange directorial decisions and like it's it's i don't know man like i wonder mm. how people write the books i've heard people say that the that mockingjay the novel is too sad and shit mm. like that so maybe that's got something to do with it if you're wondering as well what francis lawrence has done he his directorial debut was constantine he did i am legend that's right water yeah, for yeah. elephants did these did red sparrow swampland a, a and strange now, collection of of films for someone to be he's also yeah. doing the the prequel that comes out later this year but yeah a, did a, a, a david a, yates a david yates of the yeah. games franchise. he also um has done a shit ton of commercials and music videos um let's let me just see if i can pull out some uh some impressive ones for you he did slave for you i believe <laughs> um, by britney spears oh well so he's dabbled in the genre before then yeah yeah exactly he did warning by green day jaded by aerosmith just like a pill by pink black suits coming nod your head the theme song from um, <laughs> black, men in black too um he did one he did an okay go video but pre their sort of like you know oh so a not uh, not dynamic okay go. An, an uninteresting okay go video uh he did skater boy jenny from the block crimea river wow yeah so he's done some some pretty his most recent music video he, he did bad romance as well actually and circus by britney spears but her, oh he did buttons by pussycat dolls oh shit he did buttons damn, damn. his most recent one was unbreakable by daughtry <laughs> damn nice very damn i can't believe he did buttons <laughs> he also did let's get it started by the black eyed peas which presumably means he did the original version of that video as well <laughs> because it's the same video they just cut away whenever they say started <laughs> yeah you can't read their lips aj one of the things that we think about when we think of the hunger games mocking part one is the music there is of course Katniss sings the hanging tree, a scene which, as IMDb Trivia points out several times, Jennifer Lawrence hated doing because she doesn't like singing. Um, but the soundtrack to this film was curated by mm. one Ella Yellick O'Connor, better known <laughs> to the world as Lord, a New yes. Zealand artist from Devonport. Um She's the youngest we, person. We sat behind and we, we saw Once Upon Once, a Time in And Hollywood. she left before the post credit scene and she laughed when Zoe Bell appeared. And it was so, I remember that being, being like, so yeah, we this was when it was in theaters. I was up in Auckland and we were like lords in, in the foyer of the cinema. And then we like went into the cinema and we're sitting behind her. Mm -hmm. And it was like this moment of like, 
this isn't like I'm sitting behind like someone who's TV famous. Mm. I'm sitting behind a, a Grammy Taylor Swift's winner. friend. Yeah, like Taylor Swift's friend. So, like, like I'm sitting behind the biggest pop star in the world right now. <laughs> like it was so weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so she's the youngest person ever to curate a soundtrack for a film distributed by a major Hollywood film company. Wow. And she, of course, so she, yeah, what similar to like Kendrick Lamar did for Black Panther, where it's like. You know, she got people on board to perform for it and got the vibe of it and and whatnot. But she also did the lead single for this, which is a song called Yellow Flicker Beat, Mm. which AJ, I don't really script these episodes, but I've got a place in the script for you to talk about. I think Yellow Flicker Beat is so good. And I think it is the best thing about the Hunger Games franchise. I haven't felt this way about a song connected to a franchise since Icy Fire from The Hobbit 2. Like, I think- Interestingly, uh, Ed Sheeran wrote three songs for Catching Fire that were all rejected. Oh, cool! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I catch fire inside the mountain. Um, I, think, I think Yellow Flicker Beat, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it. I reckon it has this fire in it that is- that gets me more catching. It's catching. It's a catchy fire. <laughs> it gets me more amped for the, not just the Hunger Games, but the idea of an uprising than anything in the movies. I think the 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 lyric than anything like none of these like injustices yeah, yeah. happening on the street. <laughs> it's, it's like someone from I listened to upper class <laughs> teenage girl from Devonport. Um, yeah. I I think the the lyric and, and the chorus they used to shout my name now they whisper it is such a fucking good lyric and tells mm. you like i feel like that's what these movies are shooting for and it's what they fall just shy of mm. i think do it's, you want to explain what what that lyric means and why you're so fond of it well because it's it's basically saying like i used to be this like icon i used to be this like symbol of hope that people would they didn't literally shout her name but they'd do the the mocking jay symbol but now it's so controversial and, and everything's gone underground that now if you say the name too loud you'll get arrested you know like now now you're drama you used to be you used to be drama and now you're drama i don't know <laughs> i think i think it's such a Should good Should we have song. a look at what genius lyrics um says okay um and catching fire oh my god this is in catching fire many people would rave and lord for katniss's name because she's as famous as a She's famous as a controversial Hunger Games victor. However, Katniss is no longer the victor that everyone would clamor. She now has become Pan Am's only and sole hope of freedom. Mm. A lot of like redundant and weird phrasing in this. Taken from the perspective of those in the capital, this shows the severity of Katniss's presence. Prior to the end of Katniss's first Hunger Games, the victors and competitors were not a threat to the capital's power. Cheering for a girl whose life is expendable held no implications past entertainment. However, her new status as the symbol of the rebellion has made her dangerous, threatening the power of the capital. Lighthearted cheers have been replaced with a hushed, with hushed discussions on how to deal with the issue of a Katniss-induced war. Totally. War f- and feuds ensued due to Katniss's act of rebellion. The districts now whisper her name as a beacon of hope, and in the capital, there's fear that her actions lead to war. They have waited for a beacon, an idol, a leader to their war. In this case, it's Katniss herself. So, also interestingly, interesting to point out about Yellow Flicker Beat is this was the first post-Pure Heroine mm. song we heard from Lord. So, like, you know, she burst onto the scene with this debut album that was crazy. It was this new sound. No one had heard it. It was from a teenage girl from New Zealand. And 
the yellow flicker beat sort of proved she's not a one hit wonder or like not a one album you know, wonder. Yeah. Yeah. And look, she, I'm, she's I'm by no her. means like a massive Lord fan. I, th- yeah, I, I like, actually don't really like Lord. I, 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 I don't mind her music. I, I, I like a lot of the stuff on pure heroin, but I, th- they used to shout my name. Now they whisper it. Feels like something like some scholar said two hundred years ago. That's like it's like yeah, we have yeah. nothing to lose but our chains, or like the, this is how the world ends, not with a bang but with a whimper. Like to me, yeah. it's like that well written. Like it just, I think it's such a good line. And I wish, much like Icy Fire by Ed Sheeran, I wish the franchise lived up to how that song makes me feel about the subject matter of the franchise. Hmm. Anything else? Um, Stanley Tucci's barely in these last two, and it—it's—I it, think the films suffer from it. I don't know how you'd put him in it any more than he is, but yeah, I don't know. I think like because the way they again, like I said before, with Effie, she gets caught up in the like rebellion, and there's—I mm. would have liked more focus on on like sort of like a big character journey for her to be to be like what it would be like to be so like obliviously wealthy that you know like because who she is in the first movie is like i i get the sense she does she never really like like faces the reality of her role yeah she never stopped to think about it yeah and then i was also yeah very confused i I looked this up like like, what is effie's job but she's like she's district 12's escort so like um so she's yeah yeah a capital citizen yeah. And so, and I'm like, yeah, does she, is she just like a face of it? Is she like a presenter or what? But yeah, so it's like each, each district has an Effie essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, she's off. She, she has to. Primrose Everdeen. Um, I she basically has to like join the the rebellion and they don't give her enough screen like in the first film I was like fuck I hate this character I actually despise mm. her she's so annoying and then in this one I think the best scene in this film is when Plutarch goes to talk to her and basically convinces her to like help make the propaganda and you mm. kind of get you see her out, out of her like get up for the first mm. time and I wish there was more of that. I wish because because it's very it's very cool to take a character you hate and then by the end you're like this character fucking rocks. And they they don't mm. they don't go for it with Effie. Yeah, in the I feel like they book should've. she appears very briefly at the end of Mocking Jane. That's her only appearance in the book. Well, but they were like I think Francis Lawrence was like we're not making a Hunger Games movie without Effie bloody trinket. <laughs> I mean, it's a good also- half of an idea, much like this film. <laughs> Yeah, so this film, interestingly, is uh, dedicated to Philip Seymour Hoffman. He died just before it came out. That's right. um, he died about two weeks before finishing filming the second film, which we'll move on to now. The Hunger Games Mocking Jet Part 2 came out in 2015. This is the second film we've covered, which came out in 2015 and featured an actor who died while the movie was in production after Furious 7. Paul wow. Walker. Again, directed by Francis Lawrence. They don't uh, try to put Plutarch in this film as much as they had to put um, Brian. No, nah, there was, there's, there's like two or three scenes he hadn't shot yet. One is very, his absence is very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Others, they just gave his lines to other people. But there's a moment in this film where Haymitch is like, Plutarch wrote you a letter. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to read it to and you. I wish they just, they should have just not done it with Plutarch. It should have just been Haymitch. I guess, I guess the content of them. Yeah, and there's also like, you need to wrap up. Cause, because it, it, if it had been any other scene than his final scene, they probably would have, would have just changed it. Mm, yeah, true. But that would have been the last time he and Katniss ever interact. Uh, what does this have on Tomatoes and what is it about? So if the last one was 69, 
I reckon we're looking at like 55. That's no, so only 70. This has got more than part three. Yeah, which surprised me. I think me, it's, yeah. it's much worse than part three. Yeah. Just just personally. <laughs> yeah, what's it about? Um, well, And maybe if you tell us what it's about, we'll be able to sort of get a glimpse inside your mind as to why you might think that it's worse. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really just continuing on the threads from the, the third film. They are going to... Basically, they're planning to storm the capital again, and Peter comes along for the ride. He's been somewhat rehabilitated, though it's up in the air whether or not he'll, uh, you know, figure things out properly. Um, It all, a bunch of characters you don't really care about die on the way to to the final showdown. Um, you do care about sorry, you do care about a couple of them, but I'm Thank I'm talking you. about like the the lead sisters and I don't really care about Boggs and he dies and to another way to criticize the film is like there's one bit where where like all of these characters are being like killed off one by one and I was like, I actually don't know who was here before. Uh, you, uh, yeah, I, this could be your first scene, I would have no way of knowing. Yeah. Um then um uh, so b- the big deaths are Finnick gets like attacked by a bunch of sewer zombies. Um, they and are their mutts. Mutts, uh, and then which uh, we'll put a pin in mutts. Okay. They will come back. And Katniss has to like detonate the poisonous berries that he's eaten or something. Yeah, she she, she he he's being torn to shreds and she drops this thing on him. But she says nightlock a bunch of times. I think that's like maybe the trigger phrase for the hollow. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. I, it's just a weird way to kill like a it's such a fucking bummer like I, I i yeah. i get you know I, and i hate these things where it's like the the author would be like yeah that was hard to kill finnick and you know you're supposed to feel something it's like no i think you actually made a mistake with your storytelling by killing him i think finnick can die i just think this is it's a, like an unheroic kind of way and he's just and it's it. such a like painful drawn yeah. out thing and it's just such a it's yeah. such a bummer because like you see him he gets married early on in the film and like and then there's no scene of like mm. his widow finding out about it. Yeah, true. There's a lot of because of how quickly they want to end the film. There's a few things like that that are like not addressed. Um, and probably the other big death I would say is uh, Primrose Everdeen, the impetus of the whole fucking <laughs> franchise, is killed in a bombing just outside the capital. Uh, and that I I knew Prim died. Mm. I'd heard that years and years ago, um, and 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 I was just like that. I I haven't read this book, but I imagine that would frustrate the shit out of me because it's like oh, yeah. that's the whole fucking point. God, you'd have lost so much that yeah. It's well, you know, you're supposed to. Yeah, feel you're the- supposed to. But I don't, there's a difference when it's like it's like borderline. You're like MacGuffin. Like mm. to me, it's like well, she didn't need to volunteer as tribute then. You know, yeah, she's yeah. only gonna survive. You didn't have to do a any of this. But yeah, you like the beast of the bombing outside the capital. What's what's the deal? So with we're led to believe that it is um, the capital. So the capital basically say, "Hey, these fugitives are coming to attack us. Um, why doesn't everyone come to the to my mansion, President Snow's mansion? And what we'll do is we'll protect you. And then they drop bombs, and you're, you're led to believe that the capital decide that it's not worth it and would rather kill the 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 um the rebellion yeah, kill kill or kill all or like capital citizens yeah. to also kill the rebellion yeah. and and an interesting move that i don't hate uh katniss is knocked out and the climax happens 
off screen. <laughs> um, we're, we're told that they, after the the bombing, everyone turned on the Capitol and the, the rebels were able to just walk in and get President Snow. There's a great uh, video essay, another video essay to shout out by Just Right that talks about the nature of rebellions and he talks about how like this scene is actually quite good because its message is like one person doesn't end a rebellion. Like you've mm. you'd, like a rebellion is you can't have ego in a rebellion because it's just got to be whoever gets in gets yeah. in, you know. So everything seems like it's getting back on track. Then Katniss goes and visits a still living President Snow who's like hanging out in a green room or something. A green a greenhouse, house. <laughs> not a green in a room. green room. He's he's getting ready to talk to see to Caesar Flickerman. That wouldn't be that weird. I mean, yeah. if we see green rooms in other places <laughs> in the series, <laughs> and he basically says to her, he's like, "Oh, sweet girl. Oh, sweet Katniss." We promised to never lie to each other, and you need to know that it was actually Julianne Moore who did it. it Playing was herself. President Coyne herself, who's currently vying for the new head of the democratically elected government, and he's like, they did it because they knew this would happen, and they were right. Hmm. Um, and so they then go to a meeting with the victors, the, the living victors go to a meeting with President Coyne, who says, hey, why don't we have a symbolic Hunger Games where we kill off all the bad guys instead of executing everyone all at once? And then Katniss is like, fine, but I get to kill President Snow. And so at the ceremony where she's going to fire the arrow, that'll presumably start the symbolic Hunger Games, which we don't actually see happen. Mm. She instead shoots President Coyne, who's just behind him, in a move which, like, if I was President Coyne, I feel like I'd see that I'd get out of the like, way. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same I'd time, you, like, know, you could argue that it's like her hubris. and yeah. Her hubris, of course. And Donald Sutherland, I think, has his best piece of acting in the series here, where he's like coughing up blood and laughing at her. because Donald you know, Sutherland is so fucking good in these movies. He's, like, he's he, kind of one. Yeah, but he's, he, he's so like warm but also chilling yeah and it's and apparently he like really vied for the role he he read the script by accident or something like that and then like sent a video to the director begging for the role essentially wow that's cool um and the the people tear him to shreds uh we find out that gail was somewhat behind this like war crime my flatmate uh yesterday she walked into me like watching the last bit of the movie and was like oh what happened to the other guy she was into and and did 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 he die did they break up and i was like oh well he committed a war crime so she doesn't really like him anymore (laughs) um and it ends with her and peter living together we see a scene sometime in the future where they have children together and she's talking to her baby and saying like one day i'll tell you what what all this was for and that's the end of the hunger games yeah to to clarify like like hunger games mocking j part one i don't really like because it's kind of just a boring movie where not, not enough happens this is one of these things where it like it's this classic like AJ complaining about Marvel villains thing where like it does something I ideologically despise, which is like you have this whole series that is about the revolution, the the uprising of the lower class against the bourgeoisie. And then in the last fucking act of the story, they go, but you know that President Coin, she's pretty bad. She's willing to stoop pretty low. And it's it's like, it's, it insists still at the end of this franchise that's about a revolution it insists that there's evil on both sides what? which is not something that couldn't happen but it's like this is a parable uh, i i would say an argument of that that like there's this idea that 
people who want power shouldn't have it. And that I think yeah, that yeah. W- once you see, you know, the rebellion comes from a good place, but President Coin, when, you know, oh, she's the leader of the rebellion, you realize they're like, oh, no, she's actually just someone that wants to be in power. And mm. so there's an issue yeah. with her because that, that it is um, Commander Paler becomes the... Um, Do we know who that is? I didn't recognize the name. Uh, Patina Miller plays her. Okay. All right. But yeah, um, let us know on the Discord who Paler is because <laughs> I did not pick up on that character. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think that that it is like, and you know, if you're if you're joining any revolu- revolutions in in the real world, that I think that be wary of anyone who wants to actually yeah, take totally. place of the leader because you know, like the whole thing of like a cab that it's like th- this is someone who still believes in that system like rather than wanting to dismantle the system they just want mm. to be in charge of that same system yeah i guess it still just feels like it's distracting from the like relatively like motivational message that's mm. been present in all the other stories yeah so yeah i yeah what i had but the realization watching these two movies that i'm like i don't I've, i always would have said that i like i i i like julianne moore as an actress but now i'm like maybe i don't or but i don't she's not very good in these i felt like she's phoning it in yeah but also like but then thinking about it, i'm like have i actually ever really liked her or anything and then i'm thinking about it, i'm like well or have i only seen her play characters that are unlikable because when i think about right, like, like most lost of her world. characters yeah like yeah something like lost world um crazy stupid love she's good in that though she's not yeah i, don't, I wouldn't say i dislike her uh or like poppy in kingsman 2 so like when I think about Julianne Moore roles, I think about all the annoying ones. But yeah, there's funny that you talk about how she's not very not particularly good in these. But there, yeah, there's there's plenty of scenes which are President Coin, Plutarch Evansby, and Katniss Everdeen talking, and it's like this is three Academy Award winners all phoning <laughs> it in. Like, and what other <laughs> franchises do you see that in? Yeah, true. <laughs> One of them's dead. One of them's not in the room, yeah. <laughs> presumably. <laughs> well, um, he was at the time, and gives and gives the best performance. Oh, yeah. There's got to be some like situations where they've digitally like inserted him into other scenes, though. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't like that aspect of it. I also, as I sort of wanted to talk about before with Peter and Katniss's relationship, and I I genuinely think that uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is going against direction potentially here because i read her performance as i've never been in love with peter Mm. and at the end when she goes into bed with him and they hug and then we flash forward to a future with them i'm very curious about what this looks like in the books because i think a richer way to do this that i think the films don't tap into is to be like yeah she kind of settled and Mm. had kind of a shitty life where she was never really like in love with the father of her children and you know like I just don't think she likes him. Yeah, I'm. I've. I. I know better than anyone what it looks like when a girl you really like doesn't like you back, and this is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing all the same signs of someone who just wants to be friends. Oh, yeah. And you know, like I. I'm. I. If anyone's read the book, please let me know because I just don't think she picks him over. Mm. Gail, I think Gail disappoints her and she falls out of love with him and then she just feels like that's all she's allowed to do, all she can do. I think that there's an interesting thing you get with Jennifer Lawrence. Fantastic actor, don't get me wrong. I think that she's someone who wears her opinion of the film on her sleeves. Like, 
you can tell mm-hmm. when she thinks she's in a piece of shit because she is not trying. And like you look at her in like the later X Men films she did, and it's like she's mm. she's terrible at them. She mm. because she's not trying because she knows the film's garbage. She's made it clear she doesn't want to be there. She hates doing the makeup. Just to follow up your point before, there is no digital manipulation or CGA or, or any kind to deal with Philip Seymour Hoffman's death. Okay. He had two scenes left and they were re- both rewritten. One very obviously right. in the here's a letter yeah. from Plutarch and the other one I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. What do you think of this? Yeah, film? I mean, like, I, I find Finnick's death such a bummer and then also I, I think Prim's death is so stupid. I think the epilogue, I remember that being, like, gut-bustingly, hilariously bad when I saw it in the <laughs> cinema. Um, but here I was just like, oh, yeah, it's not that great, but it's not as bad. I remember, like, weird CGI on her face or something like that, but it was, yeah, I must be misremembering okay. it. She, she's just has You're a weird You're probably thinking expression. of her character in X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember <laughs> her being blue or something. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Also, just the whole... There's something like, about a silver linings playbook <laughs> completely absent from this version. There's... But also the... Yeah, you mentioned how there's like kind of a Hunger Games in this film. How when they realize like, oh, the stuff we're going through is being manipulated by people in the Capitol and Finnick goes... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 76th annual Hunger Games. And that's clearly the trailer line, you know. I remember that being the last line of the trailer. And that's that feels like that's their defense against it being like, oh, there's no Hunger Games in the last one. And this is my opinion on it, right? I think, in theory, a good idea to be like, the last book in the series, the Hunger Games, are real, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's cool. By the fourth movie in a something that should have been a trilogy, I was genu- I genuinely just scoffed when he said that. Yeah. I was like, nah, too little, too late. You deathly hallowsed it, you hang over threed it, and now you can't be like, but there are-. and then and then when, when Coin is like <laughs> then when Coin is like, we'll have a we'll have a symbolic Hunger Games at the end, I was like, you can't do it twice. Mm. You can't, like, figure out a clever way to make the last one still a Hunger Games and then do it twice and then not do it because they don't have a Hunger Games. So, <laughs> so a good idea in theory. I'm sure it reads a lot better than it screens. Um, but, yeah, I, I just thought too little too late by that point. Too yeah. little too bloody late. Hmm. AJ, what do you think about the titles for this franchise? Well, we talk about titles a lot on this podcast, Richard, and I have, oh, I've been thinking... Down all week about these titles and i have some opinions mm-hmm. i have two main opinions one what does the hunger games mean what a strange thing to call it well they're hungry what is that it mm. is that genuinely the answer yeah i remember they're hungry, um, so they're... i remember when katniss when jennifer lawrence was cast in the first one people were like katniss is supposed to be starving she looked they should call this the well-fed games jennifer lawrence is too chubby <laughs> And I remember Jennifer Lawrence saying in an interview that, like, she wasn't going to slim down. I mean, you know, you get in shape for doing an action movie, but she's, like, wasn't going to put herself on any kind of, like, disgustingly ridiculous diet to get into, like, the body type of someone who is, you know, fed once a month. Mm. Because Mm. she didn't want that to become a beauty standard for for women, because you know, they'd be like, she the never kind of rocks with this kind yeah. of stuff. She put put up with so much shit at the start of her career to do with like weight for someone who's not even like overweight at all. Oh yeah, anyway. yeah. She she has like um like like I'm not I'm not calling her fat, but like she she has like a round sort of like very soft looking face, which is you know. Oh, she's just she's just a, has a stockier body type. Oh, yeah. than Well, not even that really, but yeah, yeah. 
So, so it is just because it's a reference to how hungry. I just think it's a strange. Like if you're Suzanne Collins and you're trying to think of what to call the mm. eponymous games, it is this weird like thing where it's like a, I could, as a strange I could imagine land on. District Twelve calling them that, but it's weird that the capital names are that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's totally. Like it's weird. That's actually the official name for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's my first thought. My second thought is. I feel like Suzanne Collins didn't really know what to call the sequels. I think <laughs> Catching Fire is a very vague What's about a revolution, that, you know? Oh, but they're all about that. Like, it's 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 not very specific to the story. What would you call it? Well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. And Mockingjay, it's, it's one of these Wakanda Forever situations where it's like, well, you could have called any of them. You could switch around all these titles, yeah. except maybe The Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. It's the the third one's called The Hunger Games because like Finnick references it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So here's what I think. I think the series should have been called Mockingjay mm. because Mockingjay is a, is a this motif that persists throughout the whole. Do you, do you thing. know the history of the Mockingjay? Of like where? How do you mean? Why? Why it's what the whole deal with the Mockingjay is? What a Mockingjay like, is canonically? Yeah. Yeah, what it will tell me. What um, so it's like the the Mockingjay is a result of an accidental mating by the of Jabberjays and Mockingbirds. Um, a Mockingjay's not real. No. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, and so the Mockingjay is like one of the few times that the capital fucked up and allowed these things to be created, and so the Mockingjay being the symbol of resistance is like, remember that time you fucked up. Yeah. Well, I think, I I think that's cool. And I'd go, so here's what I would call them. Right. And I think some of these ideas are pretty obvious. Um, and I'm not claiming I'm clever for thinking of them. Um, I'd go the first, the first film or book should be called Mockingjay colon the hunger games. Right. The second one, Mockingjay colon the quarter quell. It almost feels like it's weird that it's not called the Hunger Games quarter quail, yeah, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> like, that's really strange that they come up with, like, a catchy name for the sprinkle <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. system and then call it Catching Fire. Um, and then the third one, I thought of a few ideas. I thought Mockingjay, uh, the, 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 the two that I kind of was umming and ahhing between is either Mockingjay the Snow War or Mockingjay the Real War, because now they're in the real war. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah. They don't. They don't give you a lot to work with with the last one because they don't. Yeah, give I you, hate. They don't I give hate you the a, real uh, war. Yeah. Yeah. What about the snow war? Do you think that would work? No. Well, let me put it this way then: If I was writing these series, I would put some kind of <laughs> like uh, <laughs> cheap thing the, in the third, the third book. one's called mocking j3 no, no, I'd, I'd, I'd make up a term i'd call the war something you know like i'd give it a name mm. that for the sole the purpose of giving it of like you know you can come up with something interesting considering that you, you're meddling in the law yourself that you invented but like yeah i would put something kind of like in there that yeah that 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 allows you to call it by something because I think by calling it the Hunger Games, you're like hooked to include it in the third story, which is clearly very uninterested in it. And so if you change it to Mocking, that's just what I think. I think Mockingjay is a more interesting idea. And I think the first one should still be called the Hunger Games, but I think Mockingjay should be the title for the whole series. Right. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't really mind the titles, to be honest. It's presumably intentional, but like, so the books have the first one has three word title, second one has two word, the third one has one word title. I don't really like that though. I don't like when um we lose words in the t- <laughs> in the title sequence. <laughs> I like to gain words. I think there should be more words. Mm. But also, I, I like the cleanness of them all being named after, like, an event at the center of them, I guess, is more what I'm yeah. going for. So, like, what about, like, just Hunger Games, Quarter Quail, Mockingjay? No, because Mockingjay is the, that feels like you could call any of them Mockingjay. So that's what I'm doing. All right. AJ, you'll remember last episode, mm-hmm. you, we, we covered the Hannibal series, which were based on books, and you reached out to... Uh, I can call her a listener now, Rachel, because she'd listened to that episode and said, Rachel, I know you're a big fan of the Hannibal series. Could you please give us a rundown on the differences between the books and the movies? Mm. Earlier this morning, I messaged Rachel and said, Rachel, give me a rundown of the Hunger Games differences between (laughs) the books and the movies. Um, I... I will admit I was uh, I was just expecting a funny reply about how she hadn't read them, but no, Rachel Rachel has read them and actually gave me a good rundown. Okay, so, cool. So Is yeah, this resident- a dangerously recurring segment that we've introduced into film franchise fortnights. Rachel reads. Yeah. Reader Rachel tells us what the difference. Yeah. Rachel, if you're listening to this, what we're going to do is next time we get a franchise that's based on a novel series, if you haven't read it, we expect you to read it and watch the films. Do more work <laughs> than we do for the podcast and let us know yeah. what the big differences are. And the thing is, they're not even listening to this. <laughs> so, uh. So first book versus movie. So the one of the big changes is so the book, you know, the, and this is just a nature of adapting anything. The books are entirely Katniss from the first person. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So we never see anyone controlling the arena. There's the the game makers. None of that is seen, or people's reactions during the game. There's no scenes that take place outside of the Hunger wow. Games once they begin. That's crazy. And uh, Seneca Crane is it actually doesn't appear at all in the first book is only becomes a name only becomes a character when he's briefly named in the second book um after being executed and this is wes, and so wes like, bentley's character wes bentley's character with the goofy beard is he snow's son did i am i remembering that right no think so no i thought he was snow's son for some reason second biggest change is the removal of avoxes which um come up later on with a, one of the guys helping out Natalie Dormer's crew as an AVOX, but they're people who have been punished for betraying the capital, who have their con- tongues cut out and forced to act as menial worker to, workers maintaining the capital, etc. So they're the people that right. serve the truth. They're like the tribute servants mm-hmm. when they come around. The In the films, there's essentially 24-7 live coverage of the games with Flickerman and, and um, Toby Jones's character. Although I think Toby Jones only comes in the second film. No, he's in the first one. Uh, commentated the whole... Oh, he's in the first one. Commentated the whole time. In the books, it's implied that certain things get edited out and there's... Uh, um, it's also, like, mandatory viewing, which isn't made as explicitly clear in the films. The Mockingjay pin comes from a character who was cut, Madge Undersea, who's the daughter of the mayor of Mystic 12, and they die when District 12 gets bombed. The sponsor gifts act differently. They don't arrive with notes in the way they do in the film. I read a thing that said about how, so Hamish gives her like this spout thing when she like asks for water and in the, in the book, oh, he, he, he writes her some note, but in the book, she doesn't get anything from him. So she figures out, oh, I must be near water and that's why he's not doing it. 
and right. that, that's that's right. Also in the book, Katniss amputates one of Peter's legs after it gets infected, and so he gets a pr- no, prosthetic get replacement right. after they both win. And I feel like any sort of amputation is always like removed and. I know it's like it's in The Walking Dead. Mm. Rick Grimes gets his hand cut off like very quite early in the in the comic series. Yeah, right. And when they adapted it in the TV show, they were just like in a comic. The, the example they use is like in a comic, you can see you can have a panel where he's grabbing a jar, and in the next panel, the jar is open. On a show, you have to show every step of that process, yeah, right. or people are going to start wondering how did he do that with only right. one hand. Also, one of the other big changes that Rachel Dexter didn't mention, but it's one I remember reading about at the end. Uh, of the Hunger Games, they are attacked by these giant dogs. In the book, those are mutts, which we see in Mockingjay Part 2. And they're like these upright, well, sometimes upright, zombie-looking monster things who have the faces or at least the eyes of the other tributes that have died. So it's like supposed to be, not only are they these horrible monsters chasing after you, but they're also supposed to be showing you the guilt. There's this weird magic that feels like it's undercurrent to these to the like otherwise just mm. sort of like grounded dystopia of you know like all the animals feel like they're from a fantasy even though this is supposed to be set in like mm. a distant future earth yeah you know but uh so that's that's the first book uh, catching fire rachel mentions that has um, very minor differences but there's a couple that listed here in the film the idea of victors being called back for the quarter quail comes from both snow and heavensby in the book it's assumed to all be snow because after rescuing katniss heavensby heavensby says that he had no idea they would make her a tribute again we get details about uh, Hamish's Hunger Games in the book, which I've already mentioned. Peter only kills Brutus in the book. Also, he can't swim, so Finnick has to save him at the beginning, really just making Peter more pathetic in, mm, the, cool. in the books. And for Mockingjay Part 1 and 2, um, I mentioned yeah, Effie is, only appears at the very end. Peter's rescue mission is entirely off-screen, in quotation marks. What an book. exciting part of your novel to put off-screen. Yeah. But I guess it's that first-person narrative thing. Oh, so the other, the other um, scene Rachel's met, pointed out that was um, for Philip Seymour Hoffman is that showing Katniss Sinner's sketchbook, right. which was given to Effie, right. is a, a Heavensby scene. Right. Uh, Katniss distrust Coin fairly fairly early on in the book, and they're way more at odds. In yeah, the because Coin doesn't even seem like really that much of a villain till like halfway through the second movie. Yeah, it's or the weird, fourth uh, movie. Uh, Phoenix's death is actually a lot more sudden in the book. He gets decapitated cool. pretty quickly. Uh, Coin doesn't give a speech at Snow's execution of the books, only in the film. And the bombings are a lot more gruesome in the novel, uh, according to the wiki. It's there's there's it's it Katniss like focuses on um, this girl looking for her mom who's who's been killed, and there's like it's yeah just a lot more sort of visceral flies lawrence has said in an interview that they had to be watered down as they believe that most parents would have walked out of the theater after they saw such violence mm. most of the pods depicted in the novel during these scenes do not appear in the film adaptation as they believe them too violent and too time consuming um right so that is the fucking hunger game righty richard I've, time to continue the franchise. I've got here's my continue the franchise, Richard. We do another film where we follow a young President Snow, the uprising of one President Snow. AJ, you dumb fucking cunt. There's <laughs> already uh there's already a, not only a, a book 
that, but there's a film coming on the way. So it's called The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Again, like a, such a broad could apply to any of the yeah. titles. The film, the sorry, the book came out in 2020, right in the middle. It was received a virtual launch. Wow. Um, and a audiobook read by Santino Fontana from Crazy Experience oh, right. uh, was released simultaneously. Um, and there, there was a movie coming out in six months, you know, seven months from. So, what do we know about this thing? Monday. <laughs> what do we know about yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the book is out, so you can just read the plot if you want. <laughs> I can tell you that it stars Tom Blythe as Coriolanus or Corio Snow, who's a mentor for the upcoming Tenth Hunger Games and is the future president of Pan Am. So it's not it's not how did the Hunger Games start? It's how did Snow rise to power? I guess right. uh, Rachel Ziegler plays his love interest, who is a female tribute from District Twelve, who I guess we know doesn't survive if we know that Hamish was the first one to win. <laughs> also stars Hunter Schaefer, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Peter Dinklage, Viola Davis. Okay. I was like, yeah. I'm not recognizing um, a lot of these names, but then you got to those last three. Well, yeah. So the Peter Dinklage is a very Hamish type character, actually. I'm surprised, like, hmm. he would have been a good Hamish. He plays the Dean of the Academy and co-creator of The Hunger Games. Viola Davis is the head game maker. It's weird to, to do a prequel and not do the first Hunger Games, eh? Because, like, now you can't mm. really do that now. Like, you've already blown your origin story too early. Mm. Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. Do you think it'll be good? Was the book well received? Uh, let's go to reception. Received generally positive reviews from critics. Overall, upon its release, they had uh, overall mixed reception, but gen- generally sort of positive. But anyway, sorry, where mm. are we? The The... Official synopsis given by Lionsgate for the film is years before he would become the tyrannical president of Pan Am, 18-year-old Coriolana Snow is the last hope for his fading lineage, a once-proud family that has fallen from grace in a post-war capital. With the 10th annual Hunger Games fast approaching, the young Snow is alarmed when he is assigned to mentor Lucy Gray Beard, the tribute the girl tribute from impoverished district 12 but after lucy gray commands all pan am's attention by defiantly singing during the reaping ceremony snow thinks he might be able to turn the odds in their favor uniting their instincts for showmanship and newfound political savvy snow and lucy gray's race against time to survive will ultimately reveal who was a songbird and who was a snow oh my god wow 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 so this is uh rachel ziegler um from yeah we side story yeah and shazam fury of the gods this is one of his sort of mm. pretty good uh filmography straight off the bat yeah, we yeah. side story shazam this she's playing snow white as well yeah nice so good for her there's also i would be you know if we're doing little callbacks to last episode you mentioned the science of the hams yes uh, as i already mentioned there is the starving game there's the hungover games which i mentioned which combines the two as well as a bunch of other ones that's by josh stolberg not um who's who wrote good luck chuck <laughs> and he oh he wrote jigsaw spiral from the book of saw and soy it's random but he directed that and the our, our old buddies jason freeberg and aaron seltzer also made the starving games yes and interestingly i've got a, a a well-documented fan theory hmm. 
about Freeberg and Seltzer that they are actually Steven Soderbergh in disguise. Yeah. And it would be pretty it'd be pretty crazy to gather any evidence from this, wouldn't it? But what if I told you that so this came out in 2013. The only film in which Steven Soderbergh has ever worked as a second unit director was the first Hunger Games. My God. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> Who do you think would win in a fight between Suzanne Collins, J.K. Rowling, and Stephanie Mayer? <laughs> uh, probably J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, the only one willing to stoop as low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, what's your content? Do you want to go first or should I go first? You go first. My continuing the franchise, Richard, is a video game. And it's called mm. The Hunger Games. Wow. And here's what it is. It is a a narratively driven kind of thing, but you can like, maybe it's like you can design your character, you can build your own character, and you are, you are a tribute for some random, I don't know what number, Hunger Games, right? So the game is you are playing the Hunger Games, right? You've got to survive. It's maybe it's very open world. Maybe it's like you can kill people in whatever order you want. And you can play the whole game and you can be the, the victor of the Hunger Games, right? And that the credits roll, you've completed the game. Mm. What you're not told, but can discover for yourself, is that if after someone's killed, you watch like the hovercraft like come along and pick up their body mm. in a stretcher you the player if you use your savvy and your cunning richard you can jump mm. onto the stretcher and go up into mm. the ship where you can then kill everyone in the ship and it's it's a game where you can become the mockingjay you can become mm. the symbol of the rebellion you can lead a rebellion but you are not told you can do this and the user interface in the game is fighting against you so like you get up there and you start killing and, and like maybe it's like a voice that speaks to you or something. And if you play the game normally, it's just like, there is health in that crate over there. It starts to be like, you should leave this. This is not a, a, a area that you should be in and sort of thing. And so I like the idea of this game where there's the secret second game in it if you look for mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I think the Hunger nice. Games is a great way to, to to do this. And like people will play it and be like, "What ending did you get? Did you get you know? Did you become the victor or did you get out of the Hunger Games?" So that's my Hunger Games video game pitch. Yeah, no, well, that was pretty much my idea too. So there's no point. <laughs> now I, I mean, like a, a prequel is a pretty like obvious place to take it. Well, there's so many Hunger Games you can you know yeah exactly it's built into it almost. But- yeah, I do, I am curious about the idea of seeing what happens after this. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a little dark or like not the right political, but like I I like the idea of you know this revolution, but the 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 new world they've created mm. isn't actually better, or there's like some sort of reason that it's like oh you know there was snow was a little bit right in some way, yeah right and. I, w- I want to see the fallout of completely dissolving the whole district system and the capital and whatever and trying to have a fully like communist society or whatever. But, you know, it, it would be, I'm still, it's still a blockbuster movie. So well, if, it, I if would... it's anti communist, then you, you're in good hands, Richard, because American cinema will happily make a movie about how maybe communism <laughs> isn't the right way to go. Yeah, in theory. But the, 
yeah, I would like to, I think, see... Yeah, and, and then, you know, maybe it's maybe it's Katniss herself as, like, we have to do another Hunger Games. <laughs> I reckon I want I to completely <laughs> miss the point of these films, and I want to go against the politics of them. Mm. And, uh... See what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Just, like, we're... We're seeing we're seeing a prequel, which I, yeah I don't know I, I like I, the prequel's being written by Michael Arndt from um, Pixar, but I I don't know I can't see it being that good like I'm very curious yeah I'm very curious about it nice but yeah we're seeing the future so I, we're seeing the past so I want to see the future essentially is what mine boils down to AJ what else have we got to do we're gonna rank that franchise Richard so if you want to head over to letterbox.com slash Cole and look at our franchise ranking. Our compendium has been recently updated by yours. No, I was going to say yours truly, if that would mean me. You did it. Truly yours. Um, truly mine. By truly you. Uh, so that's up to date, but we've got to rank this with the other 170-something Two. Uh, franchises we've watched. Mm-hmm. So what are we thinking? What are you thinking? Give me a Give me a film that's ranked and we'll talk about where it goes. Well, yeah, this is interesting because, like, yeah, how how good do you think this franchise is? Uh, I think it is it, it it it's more good than it is bad, but it's it's more passively good than like something that's really good though. Like, I wouldn't think this yeah, is below sure. the Nymphomaniac constant. You wouldn't? No, I don't think so. I think it's look at what's no, below God, it, dude. It's like the worst shit we've ever seen. This just kind yeah. of like slows down to a halt. Like it's not. It's not the worst thing. No, I think it's great. And yeah, exactly. And there's a movie you really like, and it, that's a sequel, which, you know, scores points when you do a sequel that's better than the original. That's always something I like to consider when ranking these. So give me a give me a, a franchise. I'll tell you if I think what I think, if it's if it's better or worse. Okay. Is it better than Death Note? Um yeah, oh, that's a really good reference. It's it's I think it's a little <laughs> bit better than Death Note. Okay, uh, hold on. I'm just gonna move it up so I can see what we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're saying it's a little bit better than Death Note. Yep. So, uh, is it better than the original Planet of the Apes? No, I reckon it's between. Okay, so this is our new number twenty-two. Nice, I love it. So it's better than Death Note, but not as good as the original Planet of the Apes. I think that fits. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to put it. And Richard. Um, what else? I feel like I'm forgetting something other than French. Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Very good. Uh, what? So is it, is it just next franchise now? I guess, yes. Yeah. So our next franchise over on patreon.com slash You can vote for only $1 a month. You can vote mm. like these good people have and before on our next franchise. you reveal what it is. And I'll reveal that right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just want to say that if you enjoyed this podcast and it's your first time listening, maybe please consider following us on all the places. You can like us on Instagram and Twitter at Colpops. You can email us at Media at gmail.com. You can join our Discord and tell us how very wrong we are. Or you can uh, jump on our Patreon, donate if you want. Just like we said, for only a dollar a month, you get to tell us every second franchise we watch. Um, and that is at patreon.com slash Uh Richard, what's won the vote, dog? What's won the vote? Is just checking for any last minute changes to the voting, but I don't think we're going to get that this time. The winner is Ip Man. 
So it's Ip Man. It's not IP Man, as I've been calling it my entire life. Mm, yeah, no, it's Ip Man. What does that mean? Based on, uh, it's a real guy. What? Okay, don't tell me anything else. I know nothing about the series. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen the first two. So the interesting thing, though, and maybe this is more of a off pod conversation. So there is Ip Man, Ip Man Two, Ip Man Three, Master Z, Ip Man Legacy, and Ip Man Four: The Finale. But there is also another franchise based on the actual guy. Nah, that's not the same thing. Yeah. That, we don't have to... Do, what's that franchise called? It, man. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is confusing me, but I don't think that's at all in play. Yeah, well, it's just interesting that there, yeah, there's, there's essentially there's two franchises made out of biopics i guess about right. well maybe we, what we can do is actually get rachel to watch the other one and tell us yeah, the yeah and, and give between. us the big differences yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. all righty well tune in next so yeah we, but we will be watching the donnie yen starring it man film series yep so tune in next fortnight for that uh next week we're going to be doing our third meeting of the elders episode um so if you are an occult elder over on our patreon head on over to the discord and tell us your thoughts on the previous three episodes that we've done so that's hunger games richard's riddles and hannibal and we will address some of your thoughts or concerns or ideas in the next episode of of meeting of the elders and stay tuned for the post-credit scene which is coming at you after this yeah. music ends um feel free to send in riddles for aj to give me or me to give aj there we go richard here's a riddle if you for send you. in a, if you send in a riddle what and say this is for richard to give aj or aj give richard we promise we will not read or you could just you just dm one of us yeah yeah um, so yeah tune in for that uh, next week and um, yeah stay tuned for the post credits enough this music ends and uh, I'm trying to think of a Hunger Games-esque uh, ending sting to go out on um, uh, may the, may the odds fucking rock for you may the odds yeah, fucking we, rock we, for yeah, you we didn't talk about the may the odds be ever in your favour which is what, what they clearly wanted this film's hmm. legacy to be this franchise legacy and instead legacy, for like, me it's they used to shout my name now they whisper it Damn, a lot AJ! AJ! I volunteer as tribute. Because she shouts it. Anyway. Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment of the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash Popshire, you get to give us something to talk about in this. <laughs> or the or someone. Scene. <laughs> um, and Richard, who's this one from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from James Baston, who says, Hey, Carl Popshire. Hey. Hope you're well. Yeah. I'm well, too. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think is the most overrated director and why? Yours sincerely, James Baston. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, there's a little director who's made uh, just over a dozen films now. Uh, who everyone, you know, if you look at their average rating on Letterboxd, it's pretty fucking high. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think they necessarily deserve to be that high. Okay. I think we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> talking about Alexander Jones. Oh, this is very yeah. mean. Well, I feel like I'm not yeah. over. I feel like I'm not rated. Well, I don't think that, you know, I mean, if you looked at, like, your average, I mean, most of your films are on, like, a four-point-something average. Yeah, but that's because um, three people are watching them and one of them's me. Yeah, no, 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 if they all should be. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you, you probably have one of the highest concentrations of five-star ratings on the site. Mm. Well, good. Let's hope it. And I don't think way. you're better than, you know, your, your Paul W.S. Anderson's or your Brett Ratner's. Why are you doing this? Why, <laughs> why, why be mean? You can say me. I don't know. Because I, I felt like I was <sighs> getting getting withdrawals no actually do you know what i think i'm going to change the question i'm going to say who i think is the most underrated director and i think it's you oh thank you so much <laughs> i was really tossing out my head if i should say me or you right. now um in terms of actual answers to this i in mean actual directors <laughs> yeah 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 uh who's coming to mind i mean the ones that come to mind but the two of the sort of most beloved highly rated directors that I I like, but I do, I'm not on board with as much as other people necessarily would be Quentin Tarantino and Wes Anderson. Right. Well, my answer is similar. I'm I'm living through, and I probably talked about this on a previous episode. I think um, Edgar Wright. I don't think I like Edgar. Oh, yeah. I I like I love Hot Fuzz. I don't think mm. I like his films particularly outside of Hot Fuzz. I think that The World's End isn't very good. I think Baby Driver is okay. I think um, Last, Last Night in Soho time. wasn't very good. So, like, he's he doesn't really bat for 10 for me, and I didn't realize that because of how, like, you know, uh, much people love his style and how much his style is replicated. And now I'm like, I don't even like his films that much. So that's my answer is Edgar Wright is who yeah. I think is the most overrated director. Yeah, it is this interesting thing where it's like, it feels like you have to be, like there's a certain threshold you have to be rated to be overrated. And not many directors I feel really pass that threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, which is why I feel, I feel like I have to go for like a boring answer. Like mm. one of them, I mean- yeah, I can't think of anyone else that I just like don't get. Hmm. Brett Ratner. <laughs> Overrated. It's the dog yeah. shit films. He's like, people like them too much. <laughs> dog shit films, dog shit person. <laughs> Brian Singer. Okay. <laughs> These are very, very white knight choices. <laughs> <for> overrated, <laughs> overrated directors. 